seemed to have worked out pretty good for the dude and Walter. And it was a pretty good story, don't you think? What the fuck are you talking about? And welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the coffee can. It's best film ever. My name's the dude. My name's the dude, too. Nope, not going there. I'm Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're here today to do episode number 164, The Big Lebowski. Yeah. Are you even... A film podcast, if you haven't tackled The Big Lebowski. <laughs> exactly. I'm sh- I guarantee you, the other ones take a lot less time than 164 episodes to get there. I don't wow. know why. <laughs> <laughs> a little spoiler for how George is uh, feeling about the uh, about the film early on. Yeah. Um, and we thought, surely a film this momentous, this potentially, I don't know, um, 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 indefinite, I might say. Yeah. Requires an extra dose of enthusiasm. It does. An extra dose of of joy. Yeah. An extra dose of whatever it is he has that keeps him this energetic all day long. We're very pleased today to be welcomed on the main pod for the first time by Kevin from the podcast that wouldn't die. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Kev. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you for having me, guys. No worries. It's been a long time in the the, the run. We've been talking about getting you on for a long time, and it's just always, I don't know when we got people off, and and then Liam... Let Sorry. me know. I won't be on the pod. So I reached out to Kevin and went, perfect time. How do you feel about this? And then Liam could make it. But you know what? It's okay because hey, the more the merrier on this absolutely. one. And Ethan continues his sojourn away. Oh, Miss you, buddy. Yeah, we do miss you. We miss you, buddy. And we'll see you when you get back. Yeah. Uh, Liam's just got, not Liam, Ethan's just got some uh, some stuff. Yeah. Some stuff. Lots of times life gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Send in loves and hugs. S- send in, yeah, send in love and hugs as he goes through his own dude-like odyssey. Yeah, Ethan would not be as relaxed as the dude. He would not. Oh, Ethan would like like I'm I'm one who's likely to freak out. Like, oh my god, <laughs> he'd be more like um the oh, he's John Goodman's character, Walter. 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 He'd be yeah. more like Walter. Like, I'm, gonna tr- I'm gonna try this one's out for Ian Davies. I did not practice this. I meant to. So also on top of a welcome, 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 welcome. I want to say. Hello, Deeth Ghoul Dewey Saint Hapas. Is that. Why did your Welsh sound Scottish? I know. I can't make my Welsh. <laughs> I can't make my Welsh not sound Scottish. <laughs> but regardless, that is uh, something like Happy St. Wales Day or something like that. That's brilliant. St. Uh, Wales. Saint Day. Day. <laughs> it's handy that their patron saint is named after the country, St. Wales. Oh, dear. Uh, it's St. David. St. David. That's it. That, that, that would be. Uh, David. Dewey, that David. Yeah, yeah. There we are. <laughs> so thank you very much a uh, couple quick promos last week we did everything everywhere all at once uh, yeah. go check that out uh, last Friday we did uh, Friends of the Podcast the one with the boobies uh, bo- both episodes done really really well so that's good uh, but before we go any further we gotta thank uh, thank our patron saints and that's over on the Patreon hey. we wanna thank Julene all right. Hermes Come on. James DeGuzman that's what I'm here Lena Orwell all right Anthony and Davies. Dude. That would be, uh, hello, diddy, go, do we sound happy? 
Uh, Chris Peterson, Ooh, Randall Silva, oh yeah. Dwayne Smith, Dwayne Smith, the Yeatmeister, come on, Reverend Bruce, I hear you. Nate the Great, all right, Andy Dixon, yeah. Holly Cow, come on, cheesy, you with a fish on a bike, <laughs> you messed that up. <laughs> I did <didn't> I? Richard, <laughs> woo, and the cool cat himself, Ryan Kuket. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to jump pretty much through the the preliminaries really really quickly. Just a reminder: the mailbag is open. As is our real roundtable for best movie themes. Just go ahead, use the hashtag BFE Top Five. That's BFE. Top 10. 10. BFE top 10. Yeah. Top 10, because we will be doing it not next week, because Liam's not here. So he says. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm probably not. the week following, depending on how long that film. I think we're going to aim for that one. So not two weeks' time to get in your best movie themes. Top 10. Get them in, make sure they're ranked. Um, a little request next week, although Liam's not here, our little podcast turns three years old. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. A how many podcasts pod- that could? Woo-hoo. How many podcasts actually last three years? I'm sure it was a statistic on that. I have no idea. No. no. I thought you were the statistics man. What? I just happen to have every statistic ready to go on this one. That's the sort of thing you do. I know. Usually if I research, I can bring them, but just randomly being asked. I, I, I applaud your faith in me. Um, but You are the dude. <laughs> um, I would say this. Uh, we're known to feature little birthday wish segments on the uh, on the pod for our birthday. So if you're out there. And you want to send us a little audio recording and say happy birthday, BFE. Uh, you've done it before, probably, if you're listening to it. Do it again. It makes yeah. us, it makes us happy. It'll, next week's film's a little bit light in content. So it's, it's, it's a little joyful movie. It's not a, it's not a huge in depth, super studious one. So we can break it up. It'll be nice. So cool. Yeah, small, small spoiler there. I look forward to listening. Uh, Let's do some reflections and corrections. And of course, our first thought goes out to the Film Effect podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I spent some time this afternoon whilst uh, doing some dishes, um, send, uh, listening to uh, their special episode on the Sean Effect podcast where they uh, tribute Sean. Oh. Uh, Ed's best friend and the co host of the show, uh, his Liam, if you will. Yeah. 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 yeah so yeah. Um, it's. It's 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 a nice moment. I never got to, to talk to Sean directly. Sean spoke about me, and I spoke about Sean, but we never actually, despite our talk about, we yeah, we do, we need to get together on mm-hmm. something because he and I should see, sort of seen films in, in the same vein. One of those things where life gets in the way, and we just couldn't make it happen, and uh, left everybody far, far, far too soon. And so uh, the film effect, our friends over there, uh, a they've released a touching um, tribute tribute from what I've heard so far. I know there's some stuff that we've put on there, but that's I haven't got that far yet. But uh, he asked if he could use some footage from what we talked about last week. I said, absolutely. Absolutely, you can. Oh, nice. Um, and then I also sent a, a message on behalf of the BFE on top of that off to yeah, the side. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. but uh, give him, uh, go give him some love and listen to, listen to, you know, a regular episode. Yeah. Hear Sean's voice. And then if you're so inclined, uh, go ahead and listen to Tribute. It's, uh, it's, Ed spent a lot of time on this. A lot of time on I this. Guess would, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, touching, touching. So, yeah, thanks very much. I don't know if um, I'd cope with listening. <laughs> I get too involved. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. I mean, I'll tell you what, it's yeah. it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. They mix it up with clips from the show and then them sharing stories. So, there's a little bit of, you get to sort of break into what it was like regularly and hear a lot of his voice. Yeah, yeah. And then back to stories on it. So, a really nice sort of uh, segment. And, you know, as much as the, the, the filmmaking, sort of the film podcast community, sorry, is, uh, is, is global. It's a bit of a small world at times, Kev. I think you'd probably agree with that. Where we, you know, Absolutely. It's, it's kind of a circle that you kind of, y'all get to know each other. 
and uh, it's Re- good knowing him. Really much so, absolutely. I mean, everybody and everybody's so supportive, and I mean, Ed is so supportive, so we should be there for him as well. Absolutely, well said. Yeah, uh, I'm going to pivot because, um, pivot. like we said last time, Josh, sorry, not Josh, Sean loved a uh, loved doing a film podcast, and, so, and, and 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 so do we. So part of this is we honor by by doing the thing that he loves to do as well. Yeah. So I'm going to move on with uh, some thoughts about last week. Last week, we did everything everywhere all at once. A, the, num- the numbers were really good for it. <laughs> really, really good for it. Wow. Uh, which I wasn't expecting because it was so new. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it gave me to think of two things. Number one, Julene equals ratings. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, or number two, because the wedding singer did well. Yeah. Ethan doesn't equal ratings. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shots fired. That is your, I probably shouldn't have said that that was a bit too mean for a joke laugh. No. And you still did it. <laughs> He'll love that. He will. Uh, Nate, we got some feedback here. Nate the Great says, this will more than likely win every bestie for me next year. It doesn't get any better than this. Every bestie? Wow. Best child? Really? Really? You got one of them? <laughs> best soundtrack? Were you really jamming to that music? All right. All right. If there's best use of bagel, I mean, yeah, hands down. Hands down it wins. <laughs> The Bagel Award. But there we are. Um, Ground, like I said. Meg isn't here, but Hermes wanted to say, not sure if it officially qualifies for a yellow button on Ian, but yes, Meg, the butterfly effect is an example of deterministic chaos, a.k.a. a branch of chaos theory. I'm not sure if I said it wasn't or if I said I'm not sure if it is. Mm, So if I'm saying I'm not sure if it is, I'm not claiming that. But there's – Hermes knows a lot about, like, physics. Uh, Okay. Yep. Yep. That's that's the thing to digest. I just like chaos. No, I just like theory. I just want to see the world burn. Some men just want to watch the world burn. (laughs) Uh, Latin Jukebox said, they just listen to everything everywhere all at once, but the BFE liked the movie a lot. It's all candidate for the Oscars. Great review, guys. Hey, thanks for reaching out. Appreciate that. Uh, Carlos says, he's just listened to the intro because he hasn't seen the movie yet, but he has to say, fuck Logan Paul. I'll be honest, I had no idea who this guy was until he showed up on my WWE. Oh, funny. No idea. Funny. So for me, he's just this like cocky looking guy who's picked up wrestling quicker than anybody in the history of time. <laughs> like it really is like, it's like anybody who like, trains for like years and years and years yeah. should look at Logan and say what Carlos said. Because like <laughs> the guy makes it look like, oh, you just jump over that, do this thing and then that. Oh, okay. And then he just does it. <laughs> oh, it's insane. Oh, wow. Uh, we've got Anthony and Davies who says he's still at the start, but he has to say he's loving all the chat about the gifts. Um, <laughs> he thought, I said, I thought Ian was going to give it to himself again. Great setup. <laughs> it was. Anyway, back to it. I said, I'm a showman. Now, someone got a hold of us and said they thought the gift of the week commentary got a little adversarial last week. And it gave me reason to pause. It did. This isn't a setup for, 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 for a joke. I actually thought about it this time. Um, and I went, Everything we do here, and I think I speak for Hermes as well, because Hermes and I were going back and forth fairly, mm-hmm. fairly frequently, as, as, as we're known to do. And um, everything, I, at least I think, is all in good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That being said, an inside joke, if other people can't access it, then they're on the outside, in this case, could cause a misinterpretation. Oh, okay, yeah. So, although we have fun and although we have banter, mm. 
always want to make sure people know this is all just in good fun. I'm not going to purposely no, we're not that sort withhold. Podcast. Now, I like picking the gift of the week because I'm the guy who has to go through all the commentary and do the shout-out lists and things like that. You do. And it gives me something else to look for besides <laughs> just copying commentary down. So I like that. So I'm going to keep doing it. Um, that being said, I just wanted to make sure for everybody. Hey, there's, I've been in contact with Hermes about going on his pod this week. i got to pick a movie. So we're all right. Yeah, yeah. we're all good. We're all great. So I'm just making sure everybody knows. My question now is, I don't know if this is appropriate yet. There's a mistake I think I made. I don't know if it's a mistake or not. One of us is making one. You tell me. Go for it. I said, direct, lo- direct quote. Um, in this country, uh, we don't have any uh, Krispy Kremes where you can watch them being made, which is a shame. Okay. I don't know if you remember me saying this last week. At which point, Andy Dixon got a hold of me and went, we do have proper Krispy Kreme in the UK, or at least there is one in Edinburgh, where you can sit and see the donuts being made. Hashtag, there's a mistake. Wow. I'd like to remind you, my exact words were in this country. Yes, it's England. Scotland is a separate country. <laughs> it is. <laughs> to England. So as a result, well if you done. look up Scotland, it will say, is a country in the United Kingdom. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just checking to see if we actually have any in, in England to see which one okay. is right. But as far as that goes, <laughs> I'm afraid, so I'm, I'm 100% respecting your Scottish, you know, hey, well done, yeah. your Scottish nationality and your distinct culture. No, no, but Andy Dixon, why are you lumping yourself in with the English, buddy? <laughs> Don't do it. I watched train spotting. I believe they referred to, you know, as being colonized by wankers is what they said. <laughs> Don't be doing that. No. <laughs> so while you let up, I think you little buttons for the guy who wasn't listening closely enough. I think so. Now, I do know it gets a bit woolly with the term country here, but Scotland is its own country. If you go, 32 nations, whatever, get to play at the, at the uh, World yeah, Cup yeah, of Football yeah. yep. and so many at the European, fo- Scotland is its own nation. As is Wales. Just saying, as yeah. is Wales. Yeah. Who, and they were this year. They qualified. Yep. So there we are. Uh, what do we have to do there? Our last one is just, uh, we won the boobies for, for friends. It was a good one. It's our highest number so far. So if you're listening to that, hey, thanks a lot. Let us know. Let us know. Yeah. It's just nice to know you're out there. Because we'll be there for you. There we are. All right, moving on. <laughs> General shout-outs, Josh, your favorite movie for all the love, Psycho Cinematic Podcast for all the love, the Sci-Fi Remnant for all the love, the Scuttlebutt Podcast. Ooh. That's Hermes Podcast. Yeah. For all the love. See, there's no adversary on this air. <laughs> Go listen to his pod. Go listen, people. Would an adversary say that? No. No. Loki never once said, listen to <laughs> Thor's podcast. I've watched all those movies. Not once. Uh, um, uh, Ali Pitts. Great name. Uh, Alistair. I think the name Alistair is the most British name. Alistair, really? Alistair. It's a very Scottish name, Alistair. Yeah. Well, I said course. British on this one. I didn't say English. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Loki's all over it this week. <laughs> Okay, factory stores. This is Krispy Kreme again. There is one in Blue Water, Brayhead, Bristol, Edinburgh, Enfield, Gateshead, Leeds, Manchester, New Malden, and Peterborough. So there is one very close to us that wow. is a factory store. He did not bring that to my attention. <laughs> no, he didn't. If he had, I would have yielded the yellow button moment. You're wearing a yellow jumper. You did can you push see? the yellow button if you want. much georgie enjoyed saying all those i did because i hadn't even seen that peterborough was the last but one I was, and i got very excited i was like well those are pretty far away and they have a peterborough I went, all right okay. <laughs> come down that one this is tim horton's coming to peterborough from what i understand there's a wendy there's a wendy's coming to whiz beach yeah it's exciting it is i walked past it today everybody it's funny out. people are so excited about a wendy's over here man and uh like do, do, do they have wendy's in your part of the states 
Uh, yeah. Okay. They have a lot of them. Like, I said, <laughs> what's it like? I said, it's Square Burgers, man. <laughs> Square Burgers. That's I, their claim to fame. I, I can think of many other franchises I'd be far more excited about them making their way over here. But yeah, Wendy's is all right. Yeah, okay. It's fine. It's all right. It's a job done. It's yeah. a brand I didn't think would come over. Yeah. I mean, it's one. Okay, cool. And to be that close. They'll, they'll be a Wendy's. All right. <laughs> Are we going to have a trip out? To what? To Wendy's? Yeah. Go to Wendy's if you really want to go to Wendy's. The BFE Wendy's. I walk past it every Sunday where it's going to be, so I can let you know when it's I, definitely open. <laughs> I was once at Wendy's in Canada, and I was with a buddy of mine. Uh, we were looking for uh, this used CD shop because it used to have bootleg albums and things like that. Cool. And on the way, we stopped at this Wendy's, and we're sitting there, and we're eating eating the um, burgers, of all things. <laughs> And I think I got like they're like they're like triple patty thing. Like it really is just like all meat. Why did you bother with anything else? Yep. You can't taste right. anything besides the meat. It's just meat. That's all you're getting. But I'm like something in my burger. I'm kind of something definitely a foreign a foreign substance. Oh, done. Something plastic or something is oh. it is it is, oh. it is in the burger. And you have to understand, Kev, that oh. my, my mom and my sister are both terrible at sending things back. And by terrible, I mean like. They get a kick out of doing it. And so I oh, I feel okay. like I have to balance the universe out by being way too accommodating. Like way, way, way too accommodating. Yep. And then I pull this this item out and it's a staple. And I don't mean like a staple, like I've got some some I've got some papers that need a fixing to each other. I mean I got a big corrugated box full of, I don't know, burgers that we have to staple this together. So a big industrial staple is in my burger. As Liam's choking, I'm just going to mute him for a second here. Um, so as a result, I go up to the counter, and they're like, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, this was in my burger. And it's still got like, pieces of like slightly chewed like 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 beef on it. Like, we next speak to the manager, and I went, no, no, I just want a, I just want a, a burger without a staple in it. And my friend, when they asked me, he said, oh, you should have like, cut your cheek. You could have sued him for like, like a million dollars. And I'm like... The thought never entered my mind for a moment of exploiting this for my own personal gain. No, I just right. want to. I just want a burger about a sta- for me to go up and say I got a problem with my food. Like that's a lot, <laughs> but I felt staple. Right. That was the line I could cross at. Would you want a staple diet? I was not. No. You, you hit the applause. Yeah, so I'm yeah. waiting for you to speak. I was at work the other day, <laughs> and my friend walked in with some kids, and she went, "This is our first day doing here." Fully well knowing I was in here, and she just went. Look, and she'd stapled her thumb. Managed to put a full-on staple in her thumb. And I was like, how did you manage this? She's like, well, it wasn't working, so I was trying it. I'm like, you don't try it with your hand over the bit where the staples come out. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen a grown adult do. Lesson learned, she'll never do it again. Hopefully not. Does she work at Wendy's? No. <laughs> that was so easy. should be okay. <laughs> I used to have one of those that was easy buttons. <laughs> I used to work for an auto parts supplier and I was part of the quality team so they'd come in and tell us something was going wrong if if their if their request was just so outrageous there's no way we could fix it I would just go ahead just push that button see if it works for you because that's the only way I see it actually happening um, you, you push this button it's, it just said easy and it would, after you pushed it we'd go that was easy <laughs> And on the commercial, you pushed it, and like everything magical happened. To like that was the that, magic doohickey. Button. That was the magic doohickey, and the yeah. idea being that Staples is your magic doohickey. If you go to Staples, it was like Business Depot. Yeah, you, know, you can find everything you need to fix that problem you've got going on in your home office oh. or big office, as the case might be. Uh, where were we? 
I don't know why we were talking about Wendy's. Uh, oh, Ali Pitts, <laughs> Alistair Pitts, apparently. Yeah. Uh, David from Scriptical sent us a photo from Combank Stadium, the best ground in the league. And I asked him, because I'm not Australian, I went, what makes the ground good? Mm. I don't know. And he goes, I don't know, personal preference. <laughs> And I'm like, that's my, that's my that's my dude accent, not my David from Scriptical Aussie accent. I mean, I, I don't know, Cav. I, I, mean, I mean, over here in the in the UK, I mean, is there, is there any, like the the not not the building, the ground, mm. the actual playing surface. What separates one from, one from another? Uh, I guess is if it's maintained more. Yeah, but what's talking about like, professional level, like you know. Well, you know, the goal goal mouth on a football field is pretty much bare, isn't it? During yeah. certain times of the year, is it? Can you maintain it to make it more well, greener? I guess there's your sight lines to go. You know, when you're on the pitch, how does it look around? Mm. And so, Kev, I was thinking for American sports. Mm. I mean, American. When you see once American football field, for the most part, it's just your sight lines and you kick your field goals. The one exception yep. I thought is baseball stadiums. Because each, yes, each baseball, baseball stadium has a, has a very distinct personality to it. Like the walls will be different lengths. You'll have different heights to different walls and things like that. So, yes. Do most that? baseball stadiums have like a triangle of watching rather than a square of watching? I have no Wait, idea what you're diamond. referring to. It is, is it? It's called the baseball diamond. Yeah. Right? Oh, okay. Oh, oh, if it's a baseball specific stadium, then yes, it's it, sort it, of it's designed. Mangled. It's designed to be like like that. Yeah, yeah rather than square. Yeah, yeah, rather than, than that because yeah, of the yeah, way yeah. it naturally sort of situates. Most baseball stadiums, baseball is the number one priority when they get built, oh, okay. as opposed right. to a hockey rink, where usually more often than not, basketball is the number one reason. Everything kind of goes around how does it work for basketball. Oh, okay. And they sort of make hockey work at the same time. Yeah. So back in the day, hockey rinks were different sizes. I mean, the playing surface were different sizes. Wow. So like if you, were in, if you were in Chicago, it was thinner and shorter. So you'd get bigger players and they'd bulk up more of the ice. Whereas in some other places, it would be a little bit wider. And, and you was like, it's insane to think it's not a sta- it wasn't a standard like a playing surface. So Shirley's different playing surfaces would be better. Well, if, if you weren't wide enough, at, 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 at the very least, enough. it gave each building its own charm. Yeah, yeah. Don't know. I don't know. Baseball, there's no rhyme or reason. You can do whatever you. As oh. long as like the actual diamond area is the same, you can have like Boston with a big green monster, which is just a wall yeah. that goes up. You know, hundred yards or not hundred yards, but you know. If you anything it. goes in baseball. As opposed to that new Yankee Stadium where that it's a really short fence in right field. Right. It's just designed to say get a big power hit and left handed hitter and just go go hit young man. So there we go. Thanks. If you build it, people come. Well yeah. <laughs> uh Shy Burgerfreund says, uh just listened to your three billboards episode and loved it. Your comment about Francis McDermott being like Daniel Day Lewis got me thinking and agreeing with you. Mm. I'm thinking that it had to be me who said that. It's been a while since that episode. No, I think that'd be me. Was that you? <laughs> <laughs> sure it was. <laughs> That's the sort of thing I'd think of, you know. Just a whole fan. <laughs> but goes, she doesn't act much, but when she does, she's fantastic. Yeah, I'd agree with that. All right, she gift is. of the week. The word was bagel. Bagel. I got a short list here. It was really strong this week. Mm. Josh, your next favorite movie had Ewan McGregor saying bagel is the butthole word for bread or something like that uh chris peterson had mc hammer going stop bagel time ryan kukets had a shot from community saying i'm from new york troy they're called bagels bagels andy dixon a flying dog that has a bagel for a body Mm. 
cheesy Homer singing I like pizza, I like bagels. I knew that'd be a Simpsons one. Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. She had to unmute and sort of swallow the water in her mouth a little bit that happened. Uh, Captain Holt handing out bagels to the 9-9. Ensign Ian Davies uh, in the Spider-Verse, someone throw, a Spider-Man throwing a bagel and hitting Doc Ock. And then finally, uh, oh, that's something separate. So those are the choices. It's really strong. Uh, I'm going to give third place to Ensign Ian Davies, Spider-Verse, throwing a bagel and hitting Doc Ock. <laughs> Um, which Hermes said that had to be the winner. I disagree. I'm sorry. A <laughs> uh, silver medal going to Josh next favorite movie for you and McGregor's butthole bread. But the winner has to be Andy Dixon again. He's got a dog that has a bagel for a body. You know what kind of dog that is then? Uh, that's a hot dog. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> But that's not really a hot dog, is it? No, but because he somehow married our talk of dogs and our talk of bagels, how could it not be that one? I was going to say hot dog. Andy Dixon again. Hot dog. Nice win. Hot dog. No stop bagel time? (laughs) No what? (laughs) The MC Hammer. Oh, no stop. No. No, no, no. Uh, Herbie says, can't wait for this week, though, as the bump... The, the bump the dude pumping his fist whilst driving uh, hey it's that time we're gonna drive this one into the deep dive why not give us a review apple or spotify i hear five stars is a magic number five is the magic number hey i don't really have anything for the can we talk about this for for, for two minutes segment this week hmm. so there we go oscars next week Ooh, i'm sleepy by the way do you guys know where three is the magic number is from no can you tell me yeah sesame street shut up really? oh really Yes. With that same melody. Yes. Oh, really? That's cool. Absolutely. Whoa. That's, what, that's how we learn numbers. <laughs> oh, uh, Pip has just made his presence known by pulling out the... Uh, I don't know if you can see us anymore, Kev, or hear us. <laughs> I hear you. Okay. Can you can, hear me? Can someone... Can, I got to fix what? this so if someone can talk to Kev. I can, no, Liam, I will do the tech. <laughs> you stay. <laughs> okay, any tech. Why did I feel like I should oh, fix this? Oh, was he throwing his teddy around? Is that what he was doing? He did. And the laptop We're got suffering off. technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Dog-based technical difficulties. Yeah, I wasn't sure I could fix that one. I tried, but you know, here we are. Keep going. And so I think, I think, did it go? It clicked back on again. So I think it. He won't be able to see. There we go. Yeah, Boom. we're back on. Are <laughs> so sure? I don't know. I'm like, no, no, I got this. Just, 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 just keep filling the, the air. It's all I need. Always fill the air. We're walking in the air. Oh, don't I hate that song? Um, oh, I didn't have the pitch this time. That's okay. Have we heard anything from Felix? I heard nothing from Felix this week. Oh. No. I look forward to hearing from Felix. I don't think he's a fan of this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Me and Felix on the same way. Like, this there one. Dude. Um, Dude. <laughs> so The Big Lebowski, written and directed by... Technically, it's down as being directed by Joel Cohen and Ethan Cohen producing. Now, Kev, do you know a reason why it's listed like this? I think there's rules in the DGA, Directors Guild of America, that you can only have one director. Yeah, so no, they those, just kind of they, they they both work together, but they split up the credits. So those have changed since, but yeah. So what would happen is Joel would always get credit for directing, and Ethan would always get credit for producing. Okay, I don't know what would happen if they got nominated for an Oscar. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Joel, right. like, yeah. Joel was like, to worry he probably should have traded back off on these in there. Well, I don't know. What's people's opinion? George, whatever on this. What's people's opinions? And George, I don't think you're going to have any of a frame of reference, unfortunately, on the Cohen brothers. They're a bit of marmite. You either really like and get what they do, or you don't really quite grasp what they're getting at, or their humor. Kev? 
it's funny because I'm a big fan of Raising Arizona. Never seen back. it. I, I love Raising Arizona. I think it's hilarious. Is that my Nicholas initial Cage? impression? Nicholas, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but my initial impression seeing Big Lebowski and Fargo and some of these other ones is I almost think they're too absurd for me on the first viewing. Like, mm. I have to see them later, like, at home to really, mm. like, let them, you know, appreciate what they're doing. So that's just me. See, so I, hit or miss. I loved Fargo first viewing. Loved Fargo first viewing. I liked Fargo. No Country for Old Men. Big not, fan. Not seeing that. I did like that. Yeah. Big fan. Uh, even though do, I understand why people wouldn't like it, but 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 I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. And then... Did they do Brother Where Art, though? Oh, Brother Where Art, that? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Big fan yep. of that the first time I saw it. Yeah. And I also love Burn After Reading. So th- there's a list of them. But then you've got The Lady Killers. <clears throat> Not keen. <laughs> Hail Caesar. Ugh. Like, yep. yeah, like some truly terrible viewing yeah. experiences I've had. And then kind of to the... What was the first time you saw this? I saw this the evening of my... Um, kind of, we don't really do proms. It was kind of like a grad thing. I'm mm-hmm. sure they do proms now in Canada, but it was like a grad. Um, uh, we like rented out like a legion, mm-hmm. right? So we kind of had like a private uh, facility and we kind of threw our own sort of celebration. Like, like a hall. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of it, we, you know, we went back. It was, it was like the middle. Do we do it in the middle of winter? I think we did. Like, what a stupid <laughs> time to do it. And so we went back to a friend of mine's place and we kind of kept the night going, but somehow. The Big Lebowski made its way into the cassette player. That's right. It was a VCR. And, um, not a BMX. Not a BMX. <laughs> or a Betamax, sorry. And, uh, and instead, I mean, I watched this and thoroughly hated it the first time I saw it. So mm. I did as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've been very, so, so when I say like, you know, hey, this time we've got this, it's not really going, even with his executive producer hat or, or, or when Felix tells me what, what, what film we're watching. <laughs> uh, Felix. Uh, that, that it's like, oh, these are really hidden Ian picks because they're not, because in this case, it's not one that I have very good memories of at all. No. But it is one of those films that people talk about. And I thought, well, we can't just steer away from it. And maybe, you know, it's been 25 years. Wow. It's been almost 25 years for me. Why, um, so probably that's probably why it's on right now. It probably is the 25th anniversary. It's why I would have made its way on the dock and it wasn't just empty. Yeah. So it, the question was, ha, have my tastes changed since that time, or am I still feeling the way I was the first time I watched it? Yeah. Well, I can't. I can't comment on that because I never saw it. So this is your first watch. Yes. Okay. And Kev, you just okay. you, you you said you didn't like it the first time either. What was what was your situation? It was. I actually saw it in the theater. Oh. I walked in there. Wow. And I saw it. And is this like people, is this like legit in the theater, or someone was showing yes. their 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 Blu-ray when they maybe shouldn't have? <laughs> <laughs> no, this this is real. This okay. is, I went to the, I paid my money, um, and I think when you pay your money, you have it builds up those expectations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, you yeah. have a certain idea of this is what I want. Absolutely. If I've paid money, my, my expectations are higher than if I've just thrown on a film on streaming. Absolutely. Yep. Right, and then I find if I saw a movie. And I didn't really appreciate that much, but like everybody I talked to thinks it's like their favorite movie. I had to go back like 15 years later and give it a second viewing. And then I kind of liked it. Okay. Like <laughs> now my, my lowered expectations, I kind of raised up. So it's in the middle now. So I appreciate it much more. I remember I went and saw Hail Caesar with a bunch of people when it came out uh, because it was Cohen's because it was a little bit, you know, absurd because it was a little bit out there. And we went right. there about eight or nine of us strong. And I sat there, and I'm just hating this movie. Painfully obvious to anybody in the room, this yeah. sucks. Yep. I get up, I walk outside, and I say to someone who's a friend of mine at the time, I go, whew, what a film. And he goes, 
I know, right? I loved it. And I'm like, you, what? And this is someone who's probably got a similar education level to me, someone who I consider to be an intelligent human being. But you know what I mean? It's not someone who just likes, you know, a a different type of, like, we're cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I went, how do we have two such polarizing? I don't mean, like, one of us was a six and one of us was a four out of ten. Like, I was like a one and he was like a ten. Wow. I hate Hale Caesar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, just for the record. I'm probably more angry at Lady Killers because I'm like Tom Hanks. How could you do this to me? Yeah, right. He, he betrayed us. He did betray us. Very really he misses, but when he does, oof. other films we already talked about it by Joel and Ethan Cohen. Fargo, a brother, were down a country film. Burn after reading True Grit, which I haven't seen. I'll acknowledge oh, that. Jeff Bridges. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yep. Good. 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 <laughs> you, might, you, you might hear that name come up, come up again during the pod. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Caesar. Spoiler alert. Cinematography by Roger Deakins. Well, that sounds familiar. Yeah, it should. I mean, he is the guy who's done uh, The Shawshank Redemption, A Beautiful Mind, Skyfall, Prisoners, Blade Runner 2049, 1917. Ooh, that's good. He gets, let's see, when the Oscar did he just get nominated for both of those? Anyway, he's pretty much considered, I think, the greatest, like, working cinematographer. He's the guy. Pretty good, yeah. Oh, I didn't mention he's collaborated with the Coens 12 times. (laughs) Whoa. He's their go to guy then. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, music by Carter Burwell, who did Fargo, Mystery Alaska. was one for Georgia. I've seen that one. <laughs> <laughs> A Night's Tale. I like that. Have and I seen that one? Is that the one with Heath, Heath Ledger? Ledger? The Jousting. I've seen that one. Yep. Yeah. It's good. Uh, no country yeah it, it, it's a fun movie it is yeah. fun no country for old men to which point i go what music i i teach my students there is no music in this movie i've not seen that but my girlfriend loves it there's a reason why there's no music in that movie so it doesn't guide you you have to be guided by what you see and how you oh, interpret it yourself because okay. music says feel bad about this like you know darth vader oh i shouldn't like this guy the music tells me so you know all that stuff yeah uh, and then edited by Roderick Janes. And I only bring up Roderick Janes because Roderick Janes does not exist. Roderick Janes is a pseudonym for the Coen brothers. I thought so much. So they edit it together along with Trisha Cook, who does exist. She's married to Ethan Cohen. Uh, and of course, Joe Cohen is married to Francis McDermott. Francis McDermott. Many people consider her to be a female Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> It's something I might have said. I've heard it said. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, I, think, I think Liam said it once, and I just sort of remembered it. <laughs> So, context corner. The Coen brothers wrote The Big Lebowski around the same time as Barton Fink, another one I've never seen. Me either. But they wanted to make it, but they were scheduling conflicts, so they decided to make Fargo in the meantime. <laughs> we'll just dust off this other project we got. Wow. Well, they started writing the script. They wrote 40 pages and then let it sit for a while before finishing it. This works for them. They often get to a point. They encounter a, a problem. They pause. They go write something else. And then when they come back, they go, oh, okay, we know how to get out of this problem now. And they've already like written like parts of other movies they can go to. So um, that's more or less kind of where we want to go with this as far as – I just want to say actual filming took place over an 11-week period in and around Los Angeles, and Norwegian posters and video cassettes carried the texts uh, – carried, carried the subtext for the movie. I won't say the Norwegian, but it says recommended by the Norwegian Bowling Association. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> is bowling in this? There is bowling in this. <laughs> uh, deep dive. Uh, there's the universal title card. The song Tumbling Tumbleweeds, which came back more than once, and a voiceover from Sam Elliott. Oh, I love Sam Elliott. Love him. Got some yeah, pipes, doesn't he? Yeah. And a mustache to boot. 
That guy never ages any different to what he was when he started. No, he's the same age now <laughs> as he is in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Yep. From the age of 20 to the age of 50, he still looks the same. I'll bring him up when we see him to so give George a chance to sort of... Is this the cowboy guy? Yes. Okay. Do you recognize him from any other movie we've done lately? No. Oh, he's the pilot who comes out and talks to George Clooney at the end of it, up in the air. Oh, okay. And he's like, you know, where, where have you been all this time, son? And we're supposed to be like, wow, George Clooney's starstruck is a pilot's talk. He's not four. <laughs> oh, do you want to talk to the pilots, Jimmy? I sure do. Did you also see the uh, Roadhouse feel to it? You know, with the two characters from Roadhouse. Never seen Roadhouse. Oh, okay. So as a result. Oh, whoa, whoa. Oh, guy, Classic. Guy, the films Roadhouse. I have not seen would make your head spin. <laughs> Don't watch the second one. It used to be Avatar, but now I've seen Avatar, so there we go. Yeah. The big one is, I think we can all still say, to a group. Uh, Ethan probably has, actually. But before Ethan joined us, we were with Ellie. All four of us can say we haven't seen Schindler's List. I still haven't. I still haven't seen Schindler's no, List. me either. That's the rough side, as you might imagine. That's the thing. Yeah, like, it's like, yeah. How, how excited do I want to get to watch, like, to be truly depressed for three hours? Right. Apocalypse now. Like he, had, like, he had to phone Robin Williams to cheer him up during, yeah. during the shoot. That's an option I'm not going to have. No, true. Oh, We're going to have to do it one day, though. Yes, but I'm not, I'm not running towards it. No. 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 Oh, we will do it someday. We will. Um, so he gives us a lot of back information. That West, there's a guy I want to talk to you about, Jeff Lebowski, but he called himself the dude. There's a lot about the dude that didn't make a lot of sense to me, and a lot about where he lived. And he says that he has like great like purpose mispronunciation, Los Angeles, <laughs> city, <laughs> the of city of Angels. Now you're from pretty close to there, you know? Uh, I'm about uh, thirty minutes south. Yeah, oh. not too bad. Yeah, that's pretty close. <laughs> Like, we consider ourselves pretty close to, I don't know, where, where would you say we're pretty close to? London. London, and we're like an hour and <laughs> yeah, 30 yeah. minutes away. Cambridge. Hobart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Train. Oh, we're a lot. It's, it's more than 30, isn't it? Train. 45? 40. 40? Uh, is it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. There we go. But, but that's metric, so it'll be a different time frame for you over there. <laughs> <laughs> um. He said, but I wouldn't call it that way. I guess I've seen something as stupefying as any of those other places. Because he says he hasn't, he hasn't been to London and he hasn't been to Paris. Paris. Uh, says, I love how he picks the um, European countries and not any other countries around it. He could have said New York, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he goes, we're in the 90s on the brink of war with Saddam and the Iraqis. <laughs> and he says, sometimes there's a man and he's the man for his time and place. And that's the dude. And even if he's a lazy man, and the dude is certainly that. And then he kind of loses his track of thought, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, I watched the Coen Brothers movie. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Raider is just warbling. <laughs> and we cut to uh, the dude sniffing some half and half. Now, do we, I don't think we have half and half here, do we? What's half and half? My, half and half. Is this like half milk, half cream? Is this the concoction we That's got? That's it. Yeah. And oh, typically yep. you would have that in your coffee. Oh, yes. okay. Yeah. Well, I thought it was milk. Is it like single cream? It probably is very similar to single cream, yeah. but you would only put this in your coffee. There's no other reason you wouldn't cook with it. You would, this is right. as far as I know. This, the sole purpose of this is it's better in coffee. It's cream rather than milk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Because in, in Tim Hortons, you know, you can get milk, but the more people will get cream in their coffee than, than milk. Yep. Uh, but then we go to the shot of him paying for this, and he's got like little flakes of cream Ugh. in his mustache. Which the question then relies: Did he get caught drinking it, and they're making him pay for it? Because <laughs> I could see the dude being a guy who goes to the grocery store and just sips on some cream, and then like takes back. off. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so he writes a check for sixty nine cents. As this and is he postdates that, it, and he postdates it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's funny that he's writing. Do a you check. know how far in the future he postdates it? A year. Very good. It is a year. Yeah. So the speech that President H. W. Bush is giving on the TV, yeah, uh, is actually from August fifth, nineteen ninety, uh, three days after the Iraqi army invaded Kuwait. His check is dated September eleventh, nineteen ninety one suggesting that he had to post it by over a year so it doesn't mean they can't cash it until then yes <laughs> that's brilliant yeah that's brilliant um it's do you know it's actually illegal to write a check for less than a dollar kevin i did not frankly i have not written a check in the grocery store in a good 20 25 years so oh, here we go <laughs> i'd like to read my next point liam could you read that out you just, the bottom one of that paragraph what does it say have you ever written a check? <laughs> <laughs> Followed up by, when was the last joke che- check that you wrote? So, Georgia, I'm guessing you've never written a check. Uh, no, I have, but um, I wasn't the one cashing it. I just happened to be the one writing it. Did, I, didn't, I didn't sign it. So you've it. never written a check for your coming out of your own account? No. Okay. I did, I've never had a checkbook. In my early days, yes. So when I first left school and I had a bank account and I started working... Yes, but I did checks probably four or five times a year. I don't have much. We we use checks a lot in Canada in replacement for like the standing order forms you would do here. Mm-hmm. You would just write void, sign yeah. some other document, but they would have all your bank account information on it. So you just give that in so they knew you weren't lying. Oh, uh, okay. In a pre-internet world. But I think I've probably written less than 20 checks in my life. Well, I'd do it more for like like car insurance and stuff like that and send it off and telephone banking and stuff like that kind of hit pretty early in my uh you're probably further ahead um canada wise maybe um than what we probably were over here so I remember receiving checks still quite recently I mean like h m r c still sends you a check if they owe you money so yeah. it's still, still, still use bills what you use checks yeah. to pay bills. Sometimes. Wow. So, you know, the gardener or I something along those lines, you know. Oh, here you, ju- you just get their, their personal bank details. And, just ping it over. And just ping <laughs> it over, yeah. But we don't have nearly the number of service charges of it for us that you guys do. Right. Yeah. They get us. Oh, I'll tell you what, one of the greatest things about moving over here, like, dude, you walk up to any bank's ATM, there's like no fee. You can use You can use any bank's ATM. Yeah, now you can. In Canada, it's like you if you use anybody else's, it's like three dollars. It's only private ones. That you yeah, it's not private ones. That's like if if I was with Nat West yeah. and I went to a Lloyd's bank, three dollars, and probably then Lloyd's takes another couple of bucks as well. They used to take right. it, but not anymore. But over here, nothing. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's great. Right now, yeah. I, I remember mean, taking probably checks. changed now that we're out of Brexit. I remember taking checks in shops like with the shops I'd work in, and I used to print them and stuff yeah. with our with our uh, machines. Or they'd lift up the tray and they'd put the check in the bottom of it and they'd put the, the, the tray back down on it. Even done the... Mm-hmm. Well, for, the credit, for cards credit cards. I've, I've had that. that. Yeah, yeah. I very, very end. When I got my first credit card, there was a few of those around still. Yeah, did loads of those yeah. back in the early days. That was quite fun. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Hours of fun. Old people are presenting about... Yeah. I remember when debit cards first started. It. I'd love to find one probably in an antique shop. <laughs> <laughs> reminisce about old times <laughs> pawnbrokers or something <laughs> they used to use this for all right let's talk about the dude played by jeff bridges yeah 
mostly inspired by a real-life American film producer and political activist called Jeff Dowd, who the Coen brothers met while they were trying to find distribution for their first feature film. Dowd had been a member of Seattle 7, liked to drink white Russians, and was known as the Dude. Dude. It seems like they pretty much stole his story. Did they get his permission for this? I don't don't know. (laughs) Probably not. The dude was also partly based on a friend of the Coen brothers, Peter Exline, who's now a member of the faculty of the USC School of Cinematic Arts, a Vietnam War veteran who reportedly lived in a dump of an apartment and was proud of a little rug that, quote, tied the room together. (laughs) Uh, X-Line knew Barry Sonnenfield from NYU, and Sonnenfield introduced X-Line to the Coens while they were trying to raise money for the same movie. Excellent became friends with the Coens and in 1989 told them all kinds of stories from his own life. So not only is this film shit, it's also not original. Because they've just stolen it all. As far as who the idea of this (laughs) character is. A polygram and working title films which had funded Fargo backed the Big Lebowski with a budget of $15 million. In casting the film, Joel remarked, we tend to write for people who we know and have worked with and some parts without knowing who's going to play the role in the big lebowski we did write for some people we knew but we know we didn't know who was getting the jeff bridges role our first first option ready for this yeah go you may take my rug but you may never take my freedom mel gibson mel gibson was the first like this would have been wrong in every he would have gone he would attend it yeah he would yeah he would I can't see it. Let's say there's this moment where, like, I roll on the ground and shoot them all. (laughs) (laughs) Around Christmas trees. (laughs) (laughs) What do you say, Nihilist? Do you want a shot at the title? (laughs) Um, So uh, he didn't take the pitch too seriously, as it turns out. Uh, In preparation for the role, Bridges met Dowd and uh, drew, quote, drew on myself a lot from back in the 60s and 70s. I lived in a little place like that and did drugs, although I was a bit more creative than the dude. He then went into his own closet with the film's wardrobe person and picked out clothes he thought the dude might wear. Wow. So he wore his character's clothes home because they were his. Uh, the actor also adopted the same physicality as the as Dowd, including the slouching and the, quote, ample belly. Jeff Bridges met with the Coen brothers after reading the script and said to them, did you guys hang out with me in high school? Referring to the dude's easygoing surfer persona. Uh, He he actually also still wears the jelly sandals he wore in the film to this day. Wow. Uh, According to Joel Coen, the only time they ever directed Bridges was when he would come over the beginning of each scene and ask, do you think the dude burned one on the way over? (laughs) And if the answer was yes, he'd go rub his eyes. (laughs) The only director he took. Okay, so shit film isn't original. Didn't direct the lead actor. Cool. Okay, I'm getting I'm getting on the vibe of this film. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it with Ethan and go. Anyway, uh, <laughs> in an early draft of the script, the dude's source of income was revealed. He was an heir to the inventor of the Rubik's cube. Oh, uh, but it was Joel Cohen's idea to drop this and never say so. Him and the Joker. Two yeah. backstories we never get. Nope. Jeff Bridges originally had reservations for playing the dude, thinking it would be a bad example for his daughters. He accepted the role after his middle daughter said that they knew he was acting. And so he comes home and he's assaulted and waterboarded by two thugs over missing money. (laughs) And, like, I totally forgot this movie, so I'm like, okay, he's really glib, he's really funny, da-da-da-da-da-da. And then it turns out that, no, he has no idea who we're talking about. Nope. 
but he's actually being kind of antagonistic then in the process. Why would you do that when someone's in your own home? I have no idea. He shakes off a lot of stuff in this movie. He does. Uh, we find that his wife owes money to Jackie Treehorn, and that means you owe money to Jackie Treehorn. And then the thug begins pissing on his rug. And he goes, you got the wrong guy. I'm not Lebowski. I'm the dude. That would piss me off, someone pissing on my rug. He says, look, you're Lebowski and your wife is Bunny. He goes, do you see a wedding ring on this finger? He's not wrong. He holds up the wrong hand to the camera. Ah. It's his right hand. I didn't recognize that. I think on his left hand, he's got a ring of some sort. Oh, that's funny. Um, and so the, he grabs, a, one of the thugs grabs a bowling ball and goes, what's this? And he, he says he's a golfer. Uh, <laughs> that made me laugh. And drops it and like smashes the tile on his floor. That would piss me off. And they go, isn't this guy supposed to be a millionaire? And as they leave, he's like, thanks. Because uh, this is the money. Like, thanks a lot, asshole. Um. <laughs> While well, urinating on the, on the dude's rug, the treehorn thug says, ever thus to deadbeats Lebowski, which is a play on the Latin phrase, six semper tyrannis, thus always to tyrants, and was allegedly spoken by the murderers of Julius, the murderers of Julius Caesar and Abraham Lincoln during their assassinations. Wow. So there we go. Uh, there's also a great story about Dwight Eisenhower. It makes you wonder why they put that in there, though. What, the piston of the rug or the line? The line, yeah. It just seems odd just to stick it in there. It's just an odd thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. There's a story about Dwight Eisenhower being mad. The Canadians were developing something called the Avro Era, which apparently was, if you listen, to, you talk to any Canadian historian, the Avro Era was the greatest in Canadian innovation that we just gave away, aviation, sorry, that yeah. we gave away and stopped making it just so the Americans wouldn't feel upset because we kind of relied on their technology and their development. And, of course, this would then mean American jobs yada 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 mm-hmm. but there's a there's a there's an old tale that uh canadian prime minister i think it's john diefenbaker goes to uh dwight eisenhower and eisenhower was it was was it eisenhower or was it lyndon was it lyndon b johnson eisenhower was well, like 50s wasn't what it? year was it ah, that's, that's part now i'm trying to remember this uh who was the close talker it wasn't the eisenhower was it the johnson treatment it was the Johnson treatment. I think that was, uh, yeah, I think that was LBJ. Yeah. So apparently LBJ p- like picks him up by the scruff of the neck and goes, you pissed on my rug. <laughs> <laughs> I was sharing the story in class the other day. He started talking about Johnson. There it is. And, uh, and they didn't get the, uh, that he was being metaphorical. I had to say the Canadian prime minister didn't literally relieve himself on, 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 on the president's rug. But in this case, it, it is literal. Yeah. So there we are. You missed my favorite part of this scene. Which is? When he's going, does it look like I have a wife? The toilet seat is up. Because that is so accurate. The boys that I live with, and I'm referring to my brother and my dad, they just always leave the toilet seat up. There you so, go. Okay. Um, so they go bowling. Why bowling? Uh, Exlin belonged to who the dude's based off of, was belonged to an amateur softball league. But the Coens changed it to bowling in the film because it's a very social sport where you can sit around and drink and smoke while engaging in inane conversation. You can probably do that in softball as well, but it's just a little easier. It, it just feels it's more of an ambiance when it's it the is. lanes. When did the, um, was it late 90s, the smoking ban came in? Early 2000s? Oh. In California, it was late 90s. Was it? Because yeah. I noticed that they had those finger things that put the cigarettes in. It, yeah. You wouldn't have had that. 
I remember so early 2000s still smoking, non-smoking in restaurants. Yeah. yeah. More so over here than over there, I guess. And then I remember they decided they were going to put people behind glass walls. That's right, they did. And yeah. put yeah, so you created like this like incubator of smoke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we well, have like a, the smoking session section right next to the non-smoking yeah. section. Like there's some <laughs> invisible force field stopping it. Yeah. Or in the plane, smoking or non-smoking. Last I checked, this right? is one giant metal tube. Like the smoke's getting everywhere. <laughs> We're all breathing in recycled air for the next eight hours, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, the significance of bowling culture was according to Joel Cohen that uh, it was important to reflect on the period at the end of the 50s and beginning of the 60s they wanted that retro feel to the movie yeah it's anachronistic but it sends you back to a not so far away era but one that was well and truly gone nevertheless uh, and then I'll talk about that in a bit when we get to that part of the movie. But we meet Donnie, played by Steve Buscemi. My he question to Georgia. Everything. My question to Georgia is, did you recognize Steve Buscemi? Yeah, because he's got a weird face. Okay. So not you don't have weird face blindness, just no, face blindness. I know, I know. If someone's got a very unique face, I can always pick them out. If there was a 90s film, he was in. He was in everything. If there was, a, if there was a 90s film, he, he was, was in. in he, he was, was in, in everything. everything. <laughs> That's true. In my head, that sounded better. I can't wait for uh, facts. I can't wait for Shy Burgerfreund to say, "Just listen to this and what you said." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I Any movie in the nineties, he, he was, was everywhere in the nineties. Everywhere, yeah. Whether yeah. it was a blockbuster, I'll tell you what, small film, he didn't look that weird compared to some of his other performances in this one. No, no he's just got true. a face that I go, I know, I don't yep. like your face, so I can pick it out. It's the same with Leo DiCaprio. I don't like his face. I know what he looks like. Many people say they look they've the same thing about both of them. Yeah, two guys who often are compared to each other. Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely. Uh, the like dude, Florence. like Francis McDermott and Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> uh, the dude's still going on about how the rug tied the room together, and then we meet. Oh, it's important to say Donnie hits a strike. Donnie's a good bowler. I like Donnie. He very. Sp- Really speaks in this film because <laughs> every time he does, it's it's just I won't, I won't use a swear, but it's shut the hell up, <laughs> Donnie, Donnie. <laughs> Which uh, you, like, this guy's carrying like, from guys who care so much about bowling. This guy's carrying that team. Yeah, he's, he's a good bowler. He is. I don't know if you noticed, we never see the dude bowl in the movie. I didn't notice. That. We never see him throw a ball in the whole movie. Yeah, I hadn't noticed. So right. There we go. Uh, meet Walter, played by John Goodman. Yeah, uh, Georgia. This is the voice of what's his name from Monsters Inc. Sully. I did recognize his voice, <laughs> but I didn't like. Now you've said that, I can pick it out. Here's but. now what I want. I want to see some action from Monsters Inc. with some lines from <laughs> from, from, this. from this movie put yeah. in there. <laughs> Have you ever seen Cavey Ugly? Yes, he's the father. Wait, you've seen that? Uh, yeah, he's the father. <sighs> I've seen weird films. My dad likes weird films, okay? John Goodman was one of those guys that you were trying to make a movie star forever, and he just had the worst choice in films. You'll recognize this, Georgia. Mm -hmm. He is the dean of the air conditioner school. Oh, yeah. So there we go. He's a better supporting actor than a lead actor. What are you talking about? He was great in Roseanne for a decade. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm saying in movies, he's very good at support. Oh... I enjoy more when he's a support role than I do. I can't, as a I can't, role. I can't, I can't reject that because you, you're not wrong. But he yeah. just made terrible choices. Yeah, like Born Yesterday. Not seeing that. Oh, the Flintstones. Oh yeah, that was. Terrible. I love the Flintstones. King King Ralph. King Ralph definitely. I was just gonna say King Ralph. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> Who was he in Flintstones? He was. He, he was. Oh, hang on. I think I think I got the character's name. 
Fred Flintstone. Was, was, was he Fred or was he the other one? He's Fred. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wilma. Yeah, it's that one. Um, so uh, while they were sharing stories, this guy, Robert Exelon, his story also included one about his actor friend, Louis Abernathy, a fellow Vietnam vet who later became a private investigator and helped him track down and confront a high school kid who stole his car. Wow. Like As in the film, Exelon's car was impounded by the LAPD and, and Abernathy found an eighth grader's homework under the passenger seat. You know what I'm learning? I could write a film by just talking to people and stealing their stories. It's there like very, it's very Gilderoy Lockhart, isn't it? Like and he w- walks around being like, "Oh, find a wizard that did something really cool," and then you're gonna like obliviate them and then write a book and pretend you did it. Hang on, are you trying to make <laughs> a link between Harry Potter and the Big Lebowski? No, and the Conan Brothers, yeah. Because. <laughs> Because I will see you and match you on this. Wonderful. Uh, John Goodman has stated he's never had more fun acting in a movie than in this one. It's also his favorite film in which he appears. You can see why he had fun with that. Because you look at his other roles and then you look at this one. He's he's letting yeah. go of the reins, isn't he? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. He's chewing scenery. Absolutely. Uh, originally, Goodman wanted a different kind of beard for Walter, but the Coen brothers insisted on the chin strap, or what they called the gladiator, and thought it would go well. He thought it would go well with his flat top haircut. Uh, after being cast in the film, Jeff Bridges went up to John Goodman and uh, asked him, when do you think we'll get our rewrites? Goodman, who'd worked with the Coens before, said, this is a Coen movie. They don't do rewrites. <laughs> <laughs> Not so of their own material. Do rewrites, no. They don't do their own material. They take stories. They don't direct the lead actor. Cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Just keeping a running checklist. Here. Also, this. I mean, Walters. The dude wants to blame it on his direct word was a bunch of Chinamen, and Walters like I think that's not the correct nomenclature for today's day and age. They have to be called Asian Americans, which considering he, he brings everything back to Vietnam, it's quite surprising. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was or just dodgy character development. <laughs> No, I think, I think hang on, hang on. I think you're going to have a hard time, despite the fact that so much of it is lifted, I think you're going to have a hard time telling me that these aren't two well-crafted characters. Absolutely. They're, yeah, no, they're not bad. I don't mind the dude as a character. I just, there's just really very, very little story. And then the climax I will, the, the, I will agree with you on this. The climax of the story literally is like about a person that we've been told the whole movie to shut the fuck up. So I just don't care. <laughs> Why did they do that? That's just stupid. I don't care about him because the other character has been like, shut the fuck up, Donnie. So I'm like, yeah, Donnie, shut the fuck up. And then he... Hang on, you, hang on, hang on, though. You did get that, like, Walter's not a good character, though, right? <laughs> yeah, but I don't care he about should, Donnie because he, he shouldn't be our He shouldn't be our compass as to which characters have value. <laughs> no, but they don't, give the, they don't give Donnie any value because they are constantly... He doesn't get to talk. Like, you got that, like, Walter's wrong about everything, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Other than the Asian-Americans thing. Which, yeah, again, is, which so, is a great which moment. Is, which is a really spotty bit. Of, like, it doesn't make sense. But it's first, so I'm okay with it. Um, so, um, but he says, like, look, the issues that, you know, he goes, someone else owes you for your rug. You don't need to, you need to get your, your compensation for that. It turns out there's two Lebowskis in town. And so eventually they figure out that the dude is going to go talk to the other Lebowski because you owe me money for a new rug. And so he goes over to the other Lebowski's house, who is the big Lebowski. The big Lebowski is not Jeff Bridges. The big Lebowski is this other guy who we'll get to in a second. Uh, first, though, we got to meet Brandt, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, Georgia, Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was in Twister. He did Twister. Yeah. It's a name I know, but it's because it's a really long name. Have I you like seen The Hunger Games? Games? 
I've oh, seen yeah. the first one. He's not in the first one. He's ah. in the second one, I think. Boogie Nights? No. Oh, she's not seen Boogie no, Nights. No, no, no. Uh, the Boat That Rocked? I've seen that. He's in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Oh, Almost Famous. Almost Famous, yes, of course. He's what's a journalist. What's, what's that film? Almost Famous is the one about the boy who goes on the road with the, with, with the rock band. Kate Hudson. That's the flower of the kid. Oh, ugh. Yeah, but he's like he, that's, what, that's probably why he's the he's the older memory. music writer who coaches him on like don't fall in love with the band. Yeah. They're going to convince you to don't fall in love with the band. Uh, yeah, I can kind okay. of remember. Anyway, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in this. He's also in Patch Adams. Um, David Cross auditioned for the role of Brent. Who's he? David Cross. Uh, you've seen Arrested Development. No. Georgia knows David Cross. He's in. Ready for this? This is the this is the movie that she's going to go. Oh, I know that one. She's in. She. He's in. She's the man. Yeah. <laughs> he's the principal of the school. I don't know. I don't know that film that well. He's the principal of the school. The bald headed guy with the big beard. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he he was also though most famously maybe in Arrested Development where he played uh, Tobias Funke. Oh, that dude. Yep. I don't like Arrested Development. He's also in <laughs> Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I do like that. He's the boyfriend of Jane Krasinski's character who wants to buy the Washington Redskins when they're still called the Redskins. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Oh. Um, anyway, he said that he auditioned for it, told Vulture Magazine, I auditioned for The Big Lebowski, thought I did a really good job. Then I saw Philip Seymour Hoffman and what he did with the part, and I was like, oh, that's the way to do it. So yeah. And, and Mr. Lebowski is a bit of a big man, although he's disabled, we're told. There's all these pictures of him with uh, Nancy Reagan and with all these underprivileged youth who he's sending off to college. So we get this idea about this guy being uh, a paragon of virtue in the community. And uh, if a dude jokes, hey, you think he's got room for one more underprivileged child to sort of take care of? <laughs> and uh, I think, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman's really good in this and that he's being the right amount of like deference at all times, but also like, please don't touch that. Yeah. Please don't touch that. Right. Yeah. And then we meet big Jeffrey Lebowski. Did you recognize Liam? Big Jeffrey Lebowski. Mm, I'm going to blow your mind because no. this blew my mind. Ready for this? Yeah. Oh, so I went back in time. What else has this guy been in? This guy was Santa Claus in Santa Claus. No! Yeah. That's that Huddleston guy, isn't it? That, that's him. Oh, my God. This guy was like, yo, say yo. <gasps> Mind blown. I was, I was like, what? Wow. Before he was cast as Big Jeffrey Lebowski, the Coens were hoping they could get Robert Duvall. Oh, cool. Who, Georgia, you might appreciate this. He did not like the script. <laughs> Good. Uh, like, why are you asking me all these questions about, about my, my, my life and writing them all down? <laughs> I don't like Robert Literally. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, who wasn't interested in playing an American. Okay. Gene Hackman, who was taking a break from acting at the time. Uh, they also uh, looked at Norman Mailer, uh, George C. Scott, Jerry Falwell. Whoa. Like, moral majority Jerry Falwell, Yeah. Right. Oh, you'd have to have a bit. How? Yeah, I can see why he turned it down. Gore Vidal, Andy Griffith, William F. Buckley, Ernest Borgnine, but their top choice was Marlon Brando, but he was too unwell to star in the film. That's a shame. Brando would have been good in that. And he asks, uh, Big Lebowski asks the dude, did I urinate on your rug? And they bring up his wife, and his wife is a trigger. As he gives her a generous allowance, and she does not live on it. Direct quote: "I didn't blame anyone when some Chinaman took away my legs in Korea." <laughs> Jeez. Uh, I went Korea. out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
I went out and achieved anyways. I cannot solve your problems. Only you can. The bums will always lose. And the dude goes out and he sees Philip Seymour often. And Brant goes, oh, the dude, I'll take care of you. He goes, yeah, he's just going to have any, any rug yeah, I want. want. <laughs> and the face he takes the rug I'm going to get angry. He just goes out and tells something I would never think about. I'd be like, no. yeah, I can't, I can't do it. So um then we meet bunny lebowski played by miss late 90s herself tara reed tara reed yeah yeah american pie yep but what can american we pie too. didn't she date didn't she date Mick Jagger for like 15 minutes did she i think she did really i think wow. she did shocking yeah that's twice my mind's been blown <laughs> Like I'm, I'm still trying to get over Santa Claus playing. I'm fairly sure about that. Yeah. <laughs> playing the Big Lebowski. Well, now imagine Santa Claus hooking up with Tara Reid. <laughs> um, Yo. <laughs> I'm not the dude. Yeah. Um, there seems to... I don't know if there was some foot fetish occurring, and then later, of course, in the film, we'll see why they did such a lingering shot on the okay, feet. Okay, this made no sense later. I'll, I'll, you know. I think later it does make sense. I think it, well, no, after that, it makes no sense. It, Huh? <laughs> I'll talk about it when we get there. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, close up on her feet, though. So I'm like, is the dude like a foot fetishist or what? Why are we like being constantly zooming on her feet? It makes no sense. Just to bring um, us to the topic later, isn't it? I'm going to clean this up a bit and say she offers to have a sexual experience with him for $1,000. Oh, you're not going to give it word for word? No, I'm oh, not okay. going to. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, uh, Brant can watch. Can't, no, he can't watch, or else he has to pay a hundred dollars. <laughs> Someone else was considered for this role. Uh, Kate Hudson. <laughs> no. Uh, Charlize Theron. Oh, oh, she's a good actress. <laughs> yeah, it'd be different if we went back and went Charlize Theron. Oh, I forgot she was in this movie. As opposed to Tara Reid. Yeah, I love Charlize Theron. Back to the bowling alley. Walter is dog sitting his Pomeranian for his ex-wife. Um, not a Pomeranian. As you say, that is not a Pomeranian. <laughs> it's actually true. I had my my ex's, well, my ex mother in law had a, had a Pomeranian. It didn't look anything like that. What is John Goodman's name again in this? Walter. Walter. I keep forgetting. Uh, a rival player puts his foot over the line, and Walter is ready to shoot him, and that's not hyperbole. <laughs> he, he is, he's yeah. got the gun cocked, loaded. Here we go. That guy looks familiar. Was he the guy from? Um, <sighs> Ferris Bueller, the guy who steals the car. Do you remember? You I know have he... no other notion of this uh, guy. Okay, now. he looks familiar. Smokey was his character name. Smokey. Um, he goes. Oh no, I... no, not Smokey. The other guy. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting. Smokey's the one with the long hair, isn't he? Yes. No, yes. not him. I'm thinking about the other guy. The um, we'll get there. Yeah. All right. So he so as he's going out, he's explaining his the, the rules. We need to have rules. Was I wrong? Did we said. And then the dude goes, no, he goes, he goes to the dude, am I wrong? And the dude goes, no, you're not wrong, Walter. You're just an asshole. <laughs> and they get into the Ford Torino. And in the original script, the dude's car was a Chrysler LeBaron. Because Dowd had once owned a Chrysler LeBaron. I was about to say, who owned one of them before? Why did they change that? Because John Goodman couldn't fit into the oh. Chrysler LeBaron. Oh, no. So, the, I mean, he's a big man, but he's also a tall man. He's a tall, he's a big boned yeah, fella. Like, he's six foot four six foot five minimum wow yeah yeah wow because he's so large i think people f- mistake forget, yeah he is big and tall like he's big and tall yes yes yes, yeah. yes um so he gets back home with some answer machine messages 
Smokey. Smokey's a stand-up guy. He's just calling up the dude saying, I'm just letting you know I'm calling the league, man. Yeah. That wasn't cool. Uh, that Br- wasn't cool. Brant is trying to track him down about the rug. The league then phones. They're freaking out about the gun. Uh, if in the background, the dude's got a picture of Richard Nixon bowling in the White House. Yeah. And he's fixing himself a white Russian. Can't be a white Russian. Never had one. <laughs> that's in this film, and that's the character itself. I'm going to ask you guys to vamp for a bit. Ooh. Vamp, vamp, vampy, vamp. Do oh, okay. Georgia. Do yeah. Have you ever had a white Russian? No. Oh. I've, oh, I've really? seen one, and I've sat next to someone who's drank one, and they drank it because it was the drink in the Big Lebowski, and they kind of uh, made this film like their entire personality. But like, yeah. Oh, I think I know you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I'd never heard of a white Russian until I watched this film. That's the only reason I knew about it was because of this. No, film. I hadn't. No, as a drink, it's not something that translates over here. I don't think. What is Kahlua? It's, it's like a, a coffee-flavored liqueur. Yeah, coffee-flavored uh, liqueur. Okay, yeah. it's a coffee liqueur. I knew that, but I thought he was putting milk in it. I he puts cream in there too. Yeah, oh, it just seemed that's all part of the deal. Yeah, well, that's just just weird. And vodka, right? Yeah, it's vodka? vodka, Kahlua, and cream. Uh, okay. Wow. I've never had it, but it sounds delicious. <laughs> like a milkshake with booze. Okay, actually, when you say milkshake, yeah, it looks like a chocolate yeah, it's, milkshake. It's, it's, a, it's a vodka coffee milkshake, isn't it? I thought it looked like a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> a puddle in a drink. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. Well, uh, who knows? So I'm a cocktail person, but I'm like a fruit cocktail person, not really. A, although I'd have, a, I'd have a cocktail with egg white in. That doesn't bother me, but like, I'm not white. sure if the cream... I wonder what cocktail is. Egg white? Is that what you said? Egg yeah. white. Egg white? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah, lots of cocktails have got egg whites in. Really? Yeah, it like foams them up. It makes them like a foamy texture. Oh, okay. Obviously, I imagine they may, they might not do them so much in the States because of the quality of like egg and salmonella and that sort of stuff. Whereas over here, egg white, so eggs are good to go. You don't have to like eat, cook like them before you eat them. What cocktail might have an egg white in it? Uh, let me Google some because I had one called a Twister once, and that tasted like uh, like ice lolly that would just just the foam texture of it, it like makes it like a foamy texture. So I'll see if I'll Google some. Well, before you, yeah, um, I, I am back. You are back, and I am back with white Russians. Yeah. So we are going to try this. I have never had a white Russian. Me I'm either. assuming you guys were talking about how you've never had a white Russian. No, 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 never. Kevin, have you ever had a white Russian? I've never had a white Russian. And you told us we were doing this. And even though when we started, it was like 10 a.m. my time, not a usual time. I have a cocktail, but I have a four pack. So I'm going to have four cocktails. So I'm not having four. So, yeah, so this is, uh, well, I don't know, um, something like five parts vodka to three parts Kahlua this. to two parts cream. So cool, I can smell it as well. Yeah, it's uh Woo. It's kinda like this just like really alcoholy coffee like thing to it. It does. You do you remember Camp so, Coffee? Yeah, it's kind of what it's gone. It kind of feels like that. Well, Kahlua is a coffee liqueur, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes. let's go ahead and give this a, a, a taste. Our, we did Prime last week. This week it's... <laughs> well, hey, who, who are the podcasts? La, last week, Megs was mixing Prime with gin. This week, I'm doing it beforehand. <laughs> here we go. So a white Russian, everybody. Here we go. Uh, uh, not bottoms up, but have a sip. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> bottoms up. <laughs> oh. 
it's I kind of dig it. It's a boozy. <laughs> it's a boozy taste, I but said, I, I, I like it. The taste, but that is oh, far that's, too strong for my. That's boozy. That's the thing. So everything I saw said, "Look, it's going to be a boozy flavor. You're going to have that." Uh, George, if you want to put some more cream into that, sort of cut it up. You can. You can, you can do that. I mean, I won't lie. I've already got a very sore stomach, so I'm That's not okay. sure that amount of alcohol is going to help. I will, so I might I will, pass. I, I will think <laughs> after a few, you'd be okay with it. But whew, at first, whew. at first thing, you got to sort of li- like hang on to that cream side of it. But I, I quite like it actually. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. Yeah. No. Nope. I like, so I like nope. the flavor. I like yeah. the taste, but yeah, so is it. It's I would better need to like put, water it down with like milk or something. What would a watered down Russian be if you weren't Russian, but you were like sort of sort of Russian? Um, I don't want to insult any other countries, but like maybe a Russian, a Belarusian. Oh Excellent. no! Excellent. Uh, no, it's quite oh, nice. Oh, is it? Oh, I see. A white Russian, obviously, because white being the the, the cream used, and the Russian yep. being the vodka. And there's something called a black Russian as well. Yeah, there is. Yeah, I think a black Russian is not cream. I think it's just pure. Is it just coffee? Is it? Is it? Coffee. I don't know what, what the difference that is. That would blow your head off. That's really quite nice. Yeah. Actually, the second sip. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm drinking this. Hey, I'm that's, in. That's, do you know what? You said from day one on the podcast, you said that, you know, I want this. That sounds good. And you're, there is a there's a there's a big vodka hit in that, though. There is. Yeah. There is. There is. Yeah. Oh. Might call in sick for work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do we have here? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so he's, yeah, he's fixing up a white Russian. The landlord stops by. This is kind of a weird. You could argue this. A weird you could have. You could have cut this. Yeah, easy. Right. Um, you know, because any scenes with him in it, you didn't really. He's, he's overdue on his rent. So this guy's. He's also a pushover. And then you know he says, "All right, I'll stop by and I'll watch your performative dance thing." <laughs> Which did make me laugh. And Brant calls again and says they need his help, and it's not about the rug. And we go back to Big Lebowski's house, and the dude blazes up as the Big Lebowski stares into the fire, says, Bunny is the light of my life, and she's been kidnapped. And they want him to courier the money. Um, dude is kind of like, why me? I don't want to do this. Let me say it's the same guys who pissed on your rug. He's like, oh, okay. I'm in. And the 20 grand doesn't hurt either. But do you know the funny thing, though, right? If Walla hadn't pushed it at the bowling alley, saying, man, you need to find out, you need to get that rug, you need to get compensated, you need to do this, none of this would ever happen. No, no, this is all, like, you could easily kill someone. <laughs> and then we have a highly sexualized introduction to meet Jesus Quintana, played by John Turturro. Yeah, this is the guy. This is the guy I think is in, he looked very familiar to me. Uh, he's been in many things. Um, do the right thing. He's a big part of that. Oh, um, yep. If you've seen The Batman. Yes. That just came out. He played Falcone. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So, uh, amongst other things. Amongst a lot yeah. of things. He had a very familiar face, definitely. Mm-hmm. Character of Jesus Quintana, a opponent of a dude's bowling team, was inspired by a performance that the Coens had seen John Turturro give in 1988. This goes more towards George's theory that the Coens aren't doing anything but just, <laughs> just reusing stuff. Um, in a play called Me Puda Vida, in which he played a pederast-type character. A pederast from uh, Wikipedia is a, uh adult male who engages in a sexual relationship with a adolescent boy. Not Sorry, not adolescent, child boy. Okay, that, there's different sayings on how to say that, isn't there? Well, this one is pederast. Oh, okay. Which is more specific, because I guess it talks about male-male. 
Oh, okay. As opposed to the other terms, which mean, I guess, any adult with any child. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. Yikes. Um, oh. But I would like to say this. So we thought, let's make Turturro a pederast. It'll be something he can really run with. <sighs> I'm not sure if that's the, no. that's the wheelhouse I want to be. But it's straight away you don't like him, do you? No. Do you know what I mean? Uh, Turturro thought he was going to have a bigger role in the film, but when he read the script, he realized the part was quite small, so they let him come up with a lot of ideas for the character, like shining the bowling ball in the scene where he dances backwards. <laughs> that bit with the cutaway, and he's like, got like oh, a black. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he's got some balls to do that, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, you, and you get to see him like going door to door announcing oh, yeah. himself as a pederast, and he doesn't, yeah. and he doesn't look, uh, he doesn't look half as glamorized. Far from looks, looks like this, like this loser at that point. Yeah. Uh, so it seems weird that here in their bowling, I guess it's where these men escape and they get to be bigger than 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 what they are due to their skill. You mean, yeah. Well, just the idea that they take their bowling so seriously. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 this league is everything to them and they get to become gods amongst themselves. I was saying to my girlfriend, uh, when we watched it and I said, um, you're not weird how, uh, in sports, uh, like this, um, how would you feel if you got a strike, a strike, a strike, a strike, a strike, a strike every time? How is that fun? A bit like Goran Ivanitsevich when he won... Wimbledon tennis for bit of a deep cut there, isn't it? Do you know? No, <laughs> no. But do you know? I, I, where would you find the fun in that? Where do you where, when you know you're that good? Where do you find the fun in just getting strike after strike after strike? How was that fun? The fact I mean, that, it's kind of like why Michael Jordan retired after winning three straight uh, championships back the uh, back in the nineties. You need a bit, yeah. You, know? you need a bit of stakes, don't yeah, you? Yeah, you need a bit of yeah. You can bet on it. <laughs> You need a bit of stakes. You need a bit of something that you're going to go, oh, man, I really thought I was going to lose that, you know, but I don't know. I guess because you're up against someone else who's equally as good and the line is so fine. If you were just playing by playing against nobody else, it was just you, then I see that. Like, what's the what's the point in that? But you get to the top and there's only room for – we talked about it with Whiplash. It's, 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 there's only room for one person at the top of the top of the top of the top. So you're, you're not bored of the fact you keep going strike, 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 strike. You obsess about the one time you don't. I'd give up. Once I become that good, I'd give up. But you're not – if he was blowing everybody away by like 90 pins each time, I hear your point. Okay. What's the fun in that? But theoretically, someone's pushing you who's your equal on the other side. So why does, if I could bring it to a bit more modern time, why does, you know, um, um, Novak Djokovic keep playing tennis when he's so dominant? Well, because on the other side of the court, there's going to be someone like Rafael Nadal who's going to hit back at him and you're going, you know, I want to be the greatest of all time. Now you're competing against not just even, I mean, think about how good you have to be. The people I'm I'm playing against now aren't enough competition. Consider me against everybody who's ever played the sport. Oh, okay. That's what gets Tom Brady coming back, baby. That's what gets... He's retired now, though, isn't he? Well, it's Tom Brady. Flip a coin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Rafa Nadal. He's is he? retired now, isn't is he? Is he? <laughs> no, Rafa's still playing. Is he? I thought he was retiring. I, no, no, Rafa was playing at the Aussie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so when Jesus, John Turturro has to go door to door sharing, he's a sex offender. He has a large bulge in his trousers. <laughs> The bulge was formed by a bag of uh, birdseed. <laughs> so, okay. uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, no, I wasn't. No, because especially because it's mostly used from like a like a fisheye lens behind the uh, doorbell, isn't it? Yeah. 
Uh, they're going to give a dude 20 grand to courier the money. So if a dude quotes Lenin and Donnie mistakes uh, Vladimir Lenin for John Lennon, so he keeps saying, I am yeah. the walrus. <laughs> I was laughing. That was good. I've got here cutaway to Quintana and his teammates watching their balls in a sexualized manner. Walter is super angry about everything he's done in Vietnam, so Bunny can live like this. He's really this became face down in the mud. This this became (laughs) the theme for the second part of the movie, where everything was uh, about what he did in Nam, and this is offensive to him as his role as a veteran. Yeah. Um. Quintana. By the way, did you know who Walter was based on? Uh, I think I had it and skipped it. What was it? John Milius, who yes. wrote like Apocalypse Now. Uh, and, I, mean, I said to you Apocalypse Now. Yes. Did you? I mentioned it earlier in the pod. Oh, did you? Okay. Not in that same context, but I did mention it. <laughs> so they were both based on like kind of movie producer types or screenwriter types that they had known in the industry. So that's uh, kind of interesting. Yes. It is, yeah. Um, Quintana comes over and sets them up as rivals in the next round. He says if Walter pulls any of that stuff, he'll grab his gun, stick it up Walter's ass, and pull the trigger till it goes click. To which point Donnie click, goes, click, click. Donnie goes, Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus goes, that's right. You don't mess with the Jesus. Um, it's interesting. Walter is the, uh, this is the only person that Walter does not respond to with aggression. Yeah. Is, is, is Quintana. That's it. Cut to later. We see the dude and he's listening. What's he listening to? Like the audio from last year's playoffs. It's just bowling pins dry going down. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He opens his eyes. There's three people there and someone punches him in the face. And now he's flying over LA. And what is, I think, the kind of, if you know the big Lebowski, I think this is the scene everybody knows. Right. These are the scenes that I kind of found kind of boring yeah you know, when it got really absurd yeah. like kind of musical montages i kind of was checking out at those well moments. they told um roger deakins they wanted a mix behind like really gritty kind of like um ordinary life and then highly stylized dream sequences right. so they want both of those things and the one of him flying through the air here i mean this was parodied or pastiched by uh, how much your mother it's very Superman. <laughs> um, you know, he's flying over the city, and then he's got a he's, you know a bowling ball is sort of making him fly, kind of like Mjolnir. And then he lands on the ground, um, and he's in a giant bowling lane, and a ball is flying towards him, and he's like a little man trapped by this big ball that's sort of floating towards him. And I had it in my notes that I've thrown on the floor oh, no. how they did this. So if you guys talk for a second. Oh, okay. I was going to say, do you want me to get it for you? I quite like the dream sequency bits. Um, I found them uh, very distracting, but in a good way. I found that I liked them. Did you not like I, them? I, I found that the parts that I really appreciated now were kind of the weird dialogue that Jeff Bridges or Walter would just kind of slip in there, or even Donnie, you know what I mean? There's that mm-hmm. mo- uh, moment earlier where they're at the big Lebowski's house, and he's got, what is it, Lebowski's kids, you know, the inner city youths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, those are Lebowski's kids. Oh, different moms, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Uh, to achieve things that you might not notice, I dug it. To achieve the point of view of a rolling bowling ball, the Cohen brothers mounted a camera on something like a barbecue spit, according to Ethan, and then dollied it along the lane. The challenge for them was figuring out the relative speeds of the forward motion and the rotating motion. CGI was then used to create the vantage point of the thumb hole in the bowling ball. Oh, cool. Imagine saying, I want this idea for a shot and going, yeah, okay. It worked, though. It did work. Yeah. Uh, He wakes up to his beeper going off. It's time for the drop-off. He's given the money and the oldest mobile phone you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) And we get told over and over again, her life is in your hands. One man alone with the drop-off. Walter comes in with some dirty laundry. He's got a plan. He's going to keep the money and (laughs) give them a bag full of uh, stuff. And he's called uh, the, the sort of word they use for this is the ringer. The ringer is the inauthentic <laughs> bag. Yeah, right. Well, they, he thinks, and they all think that Bunny has kidnapped herself. Yes, that's the, the theory that the dude has presented. And as soon as he says that, Walter's all in. Right. He's like, "Yeah, she did. You said it yourself." He's like, "Well, it's it's a theory." He's like, "Nope, you're right." Um, the dude when he answers the phone actually says "us," and they hang up on him. But, of course, they phone back and give him instructions. Walter's got a plan. I'm going to beat out where uh, Bunny is out of one of them. He said, and he goes, if there's one thing I learned in NAM, and then the phone goes off to cut him off so he can't finish his story. Yeah. Um, And then Walter throws the ringer bag out of the car, and the bad guy suss out that it's fake, and they shoot out the Grand Torino. And I had a note on this. I don't think I've put it where it was supposed to go. So they couldn't make this shot happen. Okay. They couldn't make it so it threw in the right way. It would never go far enough. So what they did in the end was they filmed it in reverse. Uh, so they threw the bag into the car. Yep. And then <laughs> and then they played that backwards. Makes sense. So there we are. Um, idea. They shoot out the Grand Torino. Walter's... Everyone, you know the dude's all freaking out you know they're gonna kill they're gonna kill the girl walter just wants to go bowling uh we go back to bowling donnie tells him they posted the semifinals and walter is way more angry but they're making him bowl on saturday than he is that this like drop-off went wrong <laughs> and that this girl might be dying um and we learn about shaba shaba shabas 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 sounds yeah. right uh, the boys leave the bowling lanes and the car is missing, but is it stolen or towed? The dude, because they were parked in a handicaps box. Of course they did. The I dude, got a feeling that was towed. That's how I felt. It's stolen. Yeah, yeah. It was stolen and then it was towed after that. Yeah, yeah. The dude goes home and the mobile phone has not started, stopped ringing. They report the car is stolen. Was there anything of value in the briefcase? The cop asks. He goes, yeah, my uh, my business papers. <laughs> What do you do for a living? Oh, I'm unemployed. <laughs> Completely <laughs> digging a hole for himself. And then Maud Lebowski phones. She's the one who stole the rug. And we meet Maud, played by Julianne Moore. I like her. According to Julianne Moore, the character of Maud was based on artist Carolee Sheenman, who worked naked from a swing and based also on Yoko Ono. And she like kind of like flies down on this rig start naked yep. just like throwing paint, paint yeah at this canvas and um they're asked does the female form make you uncomfortable mr lebowski and if i may i very rarely say things like this if it's julianne moore i don't feel uncomfortable one bit no me either just just wanted to say that and that was a wicked haircut she had. <laughs> <laughs> um 
She then goes on to say that her work has been described some as vaginal. But that word itself bothers some men. The word being vagina. I just wanted to Doesn't demonstrate. It makes me uncomfortable. Yes. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be more of a 90s thing than a today thing, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't bother in, me. In America, we're very prudish. Oh, okay. right, well, there you go. Um, I guess we're not over here. <laughs> you're less over here for sure. Yeah. Um, so we find out the rug given to the dude, and by given, I mean that he stole, wasn't Jeff's to give or the dude's to take. It was a gift from Maude to her late mother. She knows all about the kidnapping and the dude's perspective. And she goes, do you like sex, Mr. Lebowski? And she refers to it as, it says, it can be a zesty exercise. I wrote that down. That was a zesty. <laughs> a zesty <laughs> exercise. It. Zesty Love it. exercise. Uh, Bunny is a sex addict, we're told. And Maude plays a tape. It's pornographic. Uh, the acting is bad. And despite the fact that it's Tara Reid, I think she is trying to be a bad actress in this. Yeah. Hard to tell sometimes. Hard to tell sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, Tara. If you are listening. Um, <laughs> Um, she log jamming. I mean, this is <laughs> log jamming. Yeah, yeah log jamming. That's right. <laughs> this is different between being a cute girl and a hot girl. Tara Reed was the hot girl. Yeah, back yeah. in the day. Yeah, back in the day. Yes. Um, she wants the million back, and she'll give him ten percent when it comes back. But he doesn't get to keep the rug because oh. the million belonged to the foundation, not to her father. Uh, limo to limo. Uh, the dude feels, so the dude gets dropped off from this one limo driver. He's like, man, you know, things are going bad for me, but I realize you can't let it get you down. <laughs> you just got to kind of roll with it. It's, it, it. it's it's just a great time. And he gets out of the car, and he's instantly like roughed up by some other chauffeur and placed into Santa Claus's limo. He is. And, still blows my mind. And uh, he's slay. <laughs> yeah. The sleigh, very good. He stumbles through uh, through a plan B um, that they got the money, and she's trying to hold them up for more money, and they hand over an envelope, and there's a toe inside of it, which then leads to us watching the dude get some coffee with Walter. Walter's like, it's a victimless crime, and he's like, I got a toe. <laughs> He goes, well, you don't know whose toe it is. And you know, I think we're all on board with with Walter here going, not Walter, with uh, with the dude going, no, no, this is this is now we, we've, 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 we've crossed a line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the dude leaves as Walter is screaming about what he and his buddies did in Nam because the woman asked him to stop swearing. And he gets all bent out of shape and talks about his First Amendment rights and da-da-da-da-da-da. And the dude's like, I've had enough of this. I'm staying, man. I'm finishing my coffee. <laughs> Splish splash. Dude is taking a bath. Uh, we get a thing. The police have found his car, but the nihilists break into his place and put a rodent of some sort in the bath with it's him. It's a ferret. Is a it? ferret? Yeah. They don't but they call, call it, it a ferret. marmot. They call it a marmot. That's right? it. Yeah. yeah, but it's a ferret, right? I thought it, it is a, a ferret. ferret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the band Autobahn. It is the band Autobahn, which is a Kraftwerk joke, basically, yeah, Kraftwerk, that's happening here. Yeah, yeah. Did you recognize two of the members? Were they the Coen brothers? I did. Nope. I uh, no idea. One of them. Kev, you want to go, go with the musical link first. Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah. you mean the people? I mean, you also meant the people on the sleeve. Nope. Just oh, the okay. actors. Who yeah, came. yeah, yeah. I knew Flea. Yeah, Flea. of course I did. And there was another one. Do you recognize the other one? Which no. you'll say no, and then you'll say yes in a minute when Kev No, I, no, no, no. I recognize Flea. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kev, who's the other one? Well, it's, 
His name's Peter Stormare. He was from Fargo. Yep. He's also so he's the he's the crazy guy from he's the crazy Swedish guy whatever in Fargo. Yeah. He's also the crazy Russian in Armageddon. Yes, Absolutely. I did recognize him. Yes, because when I was American it, parts, Russian parts, all made in Taiwan. I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I recognized him from that. I thought you meant a band. No. No, no. Um, I recognize Flea, though. Getting in the car. Um, so he gets this car, and the. Oh, so we should imagine they put the ferret in, in, the, in the bath with them. And that they won't. Guy let, really did do that. And they won't let him get out. Um, yeah, imagine they must have really put it in there. Just made really sure that it wasn't going to get hurt. Poor old thing. Who, Jeff Bridges? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now we're going to do this. I'm like, you're, you're going to what now? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to bite me, man. Nope. Um, my Johnson. No, uh, <laughs> you're Johnson. <laughs> so they find the car. That's what I worry about. <laughs> it's been damaged. It looks like crap. I love that. There's car. no briefcase there. Oh, but cool. That's a big yawn. Big yawn. There's no briefcase in the car. It's been pissed in. <laughs> uh, any leads? He goes, Oh, are there any leads? Oh, and he goes, funny. Yeah, we've added four more detectives <laughs> to the case. <laughs> <laughs> We're working in shifts. <laughs> Back bowling, the dude hopes the big Lebowski will kill him before the Germans cut his penis off. Um, Walter wants to call them Nazis. He's like, they're not Nazis, they're nihilists. Yeah. At which point, Walter's like, well, say this about, you know, the Nazis. Like, at least it's an ideology to believe in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, I think the dude's thinking what anybody in that situation would be thinking is all he gives was the tournament. We got to practice for the tournament. He goes, fuck the tournament. He goes, well, the, yeah. well, I can see you don't want to be cheered up. Come on, Donnie. And now Donnie's okay now. Yeah. Walter's that guy who's always mad at one person in the group. Right. This is a scene yeah. where all, all three of them are sitting down, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I quite like this because Donnie doesn't say anything and he's just looking back and forth and yep. reacting. I quite like that. I think it was good. Get old Steve Buscemi. And so the camera sort of follows them as they walk away to our left, their right. And the camera comes back, and all of a sudden, Sam Elliott's sitting hey, there. Hey, my favorite. Um, and again, we have Tumbleweeds Tumbling playing again. So it was kind of like a lay motif for him, a lay motif being a, a piece of music we associate with a character. So an example of a lay motif might be the Imperial March and Darth Vader. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So in this case, it's this Tumbling Tumbleweeds and, and the Stranger. The stranger likes the dude's style, but wonders if do you have to use so many swear words. Mm-hmm. I think the dude says, what the fuck do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> I was at an end of year work party once. And uh, it was just kind of, you know, a bunch of teachers were, were, were done for the year. Their drinks were flowing a little bit. And my mouth turned. I, I got a bit sweary when I get when, I, when I'm at a few drinks. No, and a couple so white Russians. Yeah, so too much, many white Russians. So much so that like I had to get pulled aside by like the host of the parties. Like my mom's got her mom was there for some reason. My mom's got an issue with how much you're swearing, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll try. And then at one point, I think her husband came over to her once and was like, "Man, you're really swearing a lot." And I was like, oh, I'm so fucking sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't trying to be funny. It just, it was just like the, the filter was gone. Yeah, yeah, Gone, yeah. gone, gone. So, um, so where are we at here? Phone call. It's Maud who wants to see him immediately. And we, she has a friend, a video artist there called Knox Harrington. Georgia, did you recognize Knox Harrington? No, I just know Knox is a Harry Potter spell. <laughs> Funny you say that. 
This is my Harry Potter reference. Wow. Knox Harrington is played by David Thewlis, who you might better know as Remus Lupin. Oh, yeah. Boom. Uh, oh. def- definite Resty Award winner for Worst Villain. Um, or at least he was, he was my nomination for Worst Villain when he was like, no, no, Gal Gadot, you are the god killer. You are the only <laughs> thing that can beat me. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Whereas if I hadn't told you that, I win the movie. But I'm going to tell you that so you can beat me in a minute, okay? Who, who was he in this? He was the, there's a bald guy who just laughed a lot whenever yeah. she was, she called around I his place. Knew, with the little tash. Yeah. I, I knew, oh, I the knew guy him. the guy that was just sat there. Yeah, he kind of looks like, oh, yeah, looks yeah, like yeah, Dean, yeah. Dean Pelton from Community. Yeah. Keep laughing, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was Remus Lupin. Wow, I did recognize him. There you go. She reveals the kidnapper is actually a former porn associate of Bunny's. He's from the band Autobahn. And then we Carl meet. Hungus. Yes. Yeah. And then we meet the doctor. Did anybody recognize the doctor? Georgia should have. It, it, bold of you to assume I was acknowledging this film okay. by this point in it. The doctor's Ranjit from How Much Your Mother. I wouldn't know that. The cabbie from the, like, the, the Ranjit, the driver, comes around all the time. I haven't oh, seen wow. How Much Your Mother in years. All right. Uh, he's played by Marshall Manesh. He said, slide your shorts down, please. He's <laughs> like, my problem's my back. He's like, slide your shorts down. I didn't say problems in his face. Yeah, the jaw. Yeah, he got cool. socked in the jaw. Right? Yeah, socked yeah, in the jaw. Yeah. That's it. And it's like, what? <laughs> what do you reckon happens here? Well, he must giving like a thorough check of everything. No, no, right? but it becomes yeah, it becomes apparent later, doesn't it? Well, it becomes apparent why his shorts checking, come off. He's checking what for has STDs. Happened. Oh, okay. Like yeah. obvious signs of STDs, I imagine, because she wants to have sex with him. So what? She's just pulling down his trousers. I, I think. I don't know. The dude's just going with the flow. He's doing what the doctor says. She I, said, she tells him he's going to be very thorough. A, maybe he's getting a sample for himself. <laughs> I think the dude he's was very go- thorough. I think the dude was going with the flow. <laughs> Definitely, I think so. <laughs> Go with the flow. So, uh, swim, my little whales. Next swim. Because well, next thing you know, he's in the car and he's really, really happy. Yeah, yeah he yeah. is. He's really, really happy. Why is he so happy? Because they want a sample of his sperm for STDs. Yeah, but you know, so he's had to wank into a cup. Yeah, but I think as a doctor, but wouldn't that wank into a cup? Wouldn't that wouldn't that <laughs> so, be like? Yeah. Can you go into a room over there and do yeah. this? Not like, can you slide down your shorts right well, now? He was checking for crabs and shit first. I don't know. No, he was giving him a hand. <laughs> <laughs> giving him a hand. <laughs> yeah. um, and so he drops his doobie on the seat. <laughs> That made me laugh. And then he Drinking crashes. Drinking and smoking. Yes. <laughs> he almost spilled his drink. Uh, after crashing the car, he finds some marking, and they track down to how they found it. It was a bit weird. But Walter tracks down Larry, who's a 15-year-old. And Walter's, so they go around the house, and they try and, you know, rough him up. And the first question they have is, have you ever heard of Vietnam? <laughs> And then Walter the don't say nothing. Walter then destroys the Corvette out front until they find out it's the wrong guy's car. I'm like, this should have been a little bit more obvious. Yeah. Um. And so the the guy whose car it is then destroys the dude's car, and so takes out the windscreen, takes out the uh, windows, smashes up a fair bit. Mm-hmm. The dude gets mad, drops everybody else off, and he nails a two by four to the floor to wedge a chair <laughs> underneath the handle, but the door opens the opposite way, so it just falls over. The fact he can put the nails in straight for a start, <laughs> and the fact that he'd wedged it against the door. 
cue a topless one being thrown in the air. I like this sequence. Right. It's it looked fun. It's bizarre. <laughs> it, looked, it was bizarre, but it looked fun. We well, meet, so it, it's a porn producer's party. Yes. I mean, it's the least of offensive. Yeah. We, hey, you did an episode on Friends about boobies. <laughs> uh, yeah, we didn't see him. <laughs> oh, no. Um, meet Jackie Treehorn, played by Ben Gazzara. I don't know him from anything. Roadhouse. Uh, really? Yes. Oh. This is the Roadhouse thing. Cool. Yeah. Sam Elliott and him. <laughs> I'll rush right out and watch it. And they he's say the villain. They talk. Well, he's a villain in this too. Mm. They talk about him Where's being a, as well, a, a porn producer. He goes, "Hey, I work in publishing. That's what I do. I work in publishing." They're like, and then they talk about, "Well, yeah, I saw what was it called? Vlog jamming, vlog jamming, jamming." Still makes me laugh. Uh, he goes, "Yeah, video versus film, which is kind of a big plot point in Boogie Nights, actually." Yep the 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 impact of cheap videotape on the. Uh, the porn industry. On the market, yeah. 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 Uh, Bunny owes them a ton of cash, it turns out. Um, and the dude, just because he's drawing something, so he goes over and he... Because uh, Jackie has to leave the room for a minute, so he does the old bit where you like, take the pencil and you sketch over what's just been done, and it's just a pornographic cartoon. Yeah, because I said when I was watching, I went, he needs to go over there and you know see what he wrote down. <laughs> and then he did, and I was like, oh, oh okay. private eye trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... He says he wants a 10% finder's fee on the money owed, and then he finds out that he's been drugged. And then we get a movie trailer. Jackie Treehorn presents the dude in gutter balls, and Saddam Hussein's working the shoe rental place. Uh, Maude is dressed up as a Viking, which is kind of the image from the cover. The dude is in the ball. Sorry, no, he's not in the ball. He is the ball. And he looks up all the girls' skirts as he goes down the lane. There's more topless women on blankets, and then we cue the nihilists running after him with scissors, which I thought was really quite funny. There was a picture in the um, uh, gallery, not gallery, that where um, Julianne Moore was, that had a picture of the scissors and oh, stuff was there? on the wall. Yeah, it was a painting, yeah. Uh, at the police station, Treehorns had him ejected for being drunk and disorderly. The cops, it looks like, are in Treehorns' pocket. The cop beats him up, says, stay out of Malibu. In a cab on the way home, the dude says, can you change this music? And he's like, hey, it's my cab. I'll listen to what I want. I love the Eagles. He goes, I hate the Eagles. Um, T-Bone Burnett was the music consultant for the movie and helped Joel and Ethan Cohen establish the dude's taste in music. Burnett selected many of the existing songs in the movie and also suggested the dude's hatred towards the Eagles. Burnett himself is not a fan either. One of the members of the Eagles, Glenn Frey, was reportedly so dismayed about this, he once even angrily confronted Jeff Bridges when they met at a party. <laughs> That's what I still think you'd do. And as a result, Why do people hate the Eagles? I love the Eagles. I love the Eagles. I went to see them live. They were brilliant. I'm not big on the Eagles. Okay, oh, then. There's another band that featured quite heavily in this. Credence Clearwater Revival. I like CCR. Yeah, I like, I like Credence. I like CCR. Yeah. yeah. Um, the dude is kicked out of the cab as a result of his non-love. And then who passes the dude? And this is a weird point to bring us in the story. Because up until now, we've had a limited perspective. Mm -hmm. We know what the dude knows. That's it. Yep. Every scene, we have followed the dude. It's not like we followed Walter anywhere or we followed Donnie anywhere. We're only following right. the dude. And then we, a car passes the dude, and it's Bunny Lebowski seeing Viva Las Vegas, and we have a shot of all of her toes. It's a strange time to pivot and to now break our alignment, which was so tight to one character, yeah. and give us more of an all-knowing perspective. 
But her toe looked a bit odd. Did you not think? Oh, at first I thought it was it gone. Did look a yeah. Crazy. yeah. 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 I don't know. Back home, the dude trips on the two by four and he nailed to the floor earlier. That was funny. Maude shows up and tells Jeffrey to love her. And that's in the physical sense of the word. Well, the whole house has been trashed. All flat has been yeah. trashed, hasn't it? Post coitus, he shares his story about what he's done in life, including at one point. He says he was a roadie for Metallica on their fictional Speed of Sound tour and refers to the band members as a bunch of assholes. Metallica aren't a bunch of crybabies like the Eagles, and they were flattered to be referenced in the movie instead. That's brilliant. With guitarist Kurt Hammett once noting in an interview, he tried to think of a way to incorporate that scene into their live shows. That's cool. <laughs> like, that's the way it's you not, take it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, not be all... Baby like, yeah, like Len then, Frey from the Flippin' Eagles. Oh, there's a Frey. That's that, just Frey. That's Frey. You're right. Yeah, it's yeah. Frey. What's the documentary about the Eagles? Oh, he, he tell you what, he, 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 he is the worst. He got all crybaby in a New York minute. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, he was always playing like solo shows up at Casino Rama, which is this little piddly casino, um, an hour and a half north of, north of Toronto, up by where like uh, I lived back home. Oh, wow. And he was Smugglers always, Blues. Yeah. Glenn Glenn Fry from the f- former lead singer of the Eagles at Casino Rama. That's it. Yeah, his solo stuff sucks. Did they do Boys of Summer? Was that them as well? Mm, that was Don Henley. That's yeah. Don Henley. Yeah, is, but he was is, better. Is he an Eagle as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. He's the, the voice, really, the drummer and the voice of the Eagles. Yeah. 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 Um. So we find out that Jeff Lebowski, the big Lebowski, old man Lebowski, is actually quite hard up. Maud's, Santa Claus. Refer to yep, Santa Claus. Santa Claus. <laughs> um Maud has her legs up and dude, dude's like, What's going on? He's like, Oh, I'm just trying to increase the chances of conception. That's funny. I think you have to have a conversation about that before you go doing that. Yeah, but he Absolutely. Yeah, you should. Why would you want his? <laughs> well, she explains she explained. Like, yeah, if, uh, George's point about STDs might be right, though. I mean, you want to make sure he's all clean. That's what it is. It's <laughs> yeah. literally what it is. Is there any gonorrhea going on here? Okay, good. Now. And like genetic testing to see if he's oh, got genetic any right. testing. He's a bur- he's a burnout. Well, yeah, no but like he might not have like does he got family history of all sorts of different like hereditary diseases? So they're testing that. As well. I just want a man who. Uh, yeah, she said, I want a man who I'm not going to run into socially. <laughs> Someone I'm not going to run into. Someone who's I'm not looking for a partner. Far from it. You're going to have a lazy kid with a killer fringe. Yep. <laughs> um. So there's that. Jeff puts two and two together and calls Walter. Walter won't pick up because it's the Shabbos. The dude threatens to hit the bowling team. Outside, he sees the blue beetle that was following him earlier when he dropped the doobie on his on his chair. The dude accosts the guy there who's a private eye working for Bunny's parents. They want her to go home. That's, and that just kind of gets dropped after this. Yeah, that did, yeah. We so go. Bizarre. We go to a diner. Yes. We go to a diner with the Germans, which again, I don't. It just feels like a really strange time to give us this, this like limitless viewpoint now. But we find out that the girl is missing a toe. Yeah. Um, Do you know who that girl was? No, no but she looked familiar. The actress, Amy Mann, lead singer of Till Tuesday. Ah. You've said, okay, I, I'm not going to be like Liam and pretend. I don't know who that is. No, I've got a couple of the albums in my shop. Sure, sure. You you come. Actually, I bet you've got the albums. Okay, that's the part. I'm like, not, I was like, I was like, that's I, the part I'm not sure if you've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have because I didn't ask a strange name for a band. Okay, but yeah. Well, she also did the the music for Magnolia. Oh, so I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I've never seen it. 
You've seen Magnolia. Have I? Some of the frogs. P.T. Anderson. Oh, I have. <laughs> we have this conversation about once every three months. It's Vanilla Sky I've not seen. <laughs> yeah. Don't. Don't. I confuse them. <laughs> Don't see that. Um, so... Uh, yes, first we left the dude off film when he was missing toe. Dude give, lets Walter another key info. He says, a ringer was traded out for a ringer. We never had the money. We couldn't lose it. It wasn't there. Um, Walter then gives gets given a hard go because he's still Jewish. I think he still gets to be Jewish. If you converted it just when you got married, it doesn't mean when the relationship ends, you have to go back to the scene you started yeah, exactly. for. Uh, the dude says Walter's living in the past. Walter's like <laughs> 3,000 years from Moses to... I forget what the modern reference was. Oh, the Sandy Koufax, <laughs> who's a who's a who's a baseball player. Oh, okay. Three thousand years from Moses to Sandy yep. Koufax, glorious tradition. You're darn right. I'm living in the past. <laughs> uh, and they come across Bunny's convertible, which is crashed in the fountain. Yeah, she's come home. Her convertible has the license plate of L A P I N, which is French Lapin for rabbit. Which is French for rabbit, which we know because we didn't spell a lot. Yeah. Lapin, l'un grand lapin. <laughs> um, the dude accosts the big Lebowski about what's gone down, and he says, "You have your story, I have mine." He calls him a human paraquat. Uh, John Goodman says that's one of the only ad libs that made it into the final film. What Every other man or dude was scripted. A paraquat is a herbicide. During the late 1970s, uh, the U.S. government would spray it on marijuana fields in Mexico, causing the plants to quickly wilt. Okay. The main issue was was that right after the spraying, they thought the farmers would let it go. And so the farmers harvested the crop immediately and sold it, calling it killer weed. It never killed anyone, but made many people sick. <laughs> Walter's convinced that the big Lebowski can walk. Surprise. <laughs> he can't. <laughs> that is can, we, can we talk about the this plan by the nihilists like bunny just went to vegas to visit for, or palm springs on her yep. own like had nothing to do with the nihilist plan i mean at any moment she could come back yeah, I mean, yeah. this is the worst kidnapping scheme i've ever heard of and also just the idea that you know what do you do if someone calls your bluff you don't have the girl you say you do how many toes is that poor girl willing to lose <laughs> that's true there we are um so uh, Don, back to bowling one more time. Donnie doesn't pick up the strike for the first time all movie. He doesn't get a strike. Yeah, he only knocks He down. looks confused. He's staring at his hand. Jesus has just found out they're pushing the date back and says this Shabbos stuff is garbage. Outside, the Germans are here, and they uh, they say, we're going to kill her. And then they just say, well, we she's back. You don't have her. Yeah, we still want the money," he says. <laughs> Goodman's like, "I don't know if you get how ransom works." <laughs> uh, they fight. Goodman fires the bowling ball into one of their stomachs. He bites. He goes all Tyson and Holyfield on, on, he on does, another one. He yeah. does, yeah. And Donnie falls, and we're like, "What's the deal?" Donnie had a heart attack. I generally thought they were going to save him. Okay, I like Donnie. <laughs> Poor Donnie. Yeah, yeah, he's just kind of there, and he. There's no reason why his character should be there. To the funeral, there's no urn uh, that they want to buy because it's 180 for the cheapest one. So they smash cut. They say, hey, is there a... What was the name of the shop they had there? I think it was Ralph's. Ralph's, that's it. What is Ralph's? 
Ralph's is a, is a chain grocery store out here. Okay. Okay. So we cut to they've got a Folgers coffee can, but a Maxwell House lid. Oh, okay. Because the Folgers House. the Folgers lid is clear. Uh, so yeah, they went. Oh, look at that. There we go. I called this before that even happened. What was going to happen? Oh next? yeah, because yeah. nothing's gone right. Like that, there's no poetry in this film. There's no poetic ending for a character. No. Um, Walter says he was a good bowler and a good man. He was one of us. They scatter the remains. Don't check the wind, and the dude wears most of it. <laughs> he says nothing. <laughs> the dude gets angry with him, going, "What's all this about Vietnam?" I'm sorry, and they hug, and they decide to go bowling. That scene made me laugh so hard. Why does everything have to be a travesty with you? <laughs> I don't understand, right? How come uh, Walter waved a gun around, had the police called on him, right, and he still yeah. went back to the bowling place? They'd know who he was. Nothing ever came of that. Doesn't seem like it's a yeah, thing. Um, well, and there were no repercussions. Like, in, like they didn't forfeit the game or anything. No. Oh, I think they forfeit the game. Do they? Did they? They're still in the championship or whatever the playoffs. I don't. I, don't I see. I, I, see. Was that was was that a quarterfinal or was that just the last one of league play? Is that like a round robin season game? I don't know. Who knows? Um, well, and we never find out what happens with the million dollars either. Well, the million dollars was any. was never there. He was trying to scam a million no, bucks. He stole. Well, the Big Lebowski stole. Oh, a he did. Dollars yeah. from the yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he says, "You got your story. I got mine." Yes, yeah, it. Um, and so. Um, in the original script at this point it was revealed that Walter was never a Vietnam vet Ooh. following Donnie's funeral the dude was to yell at Walter you're never in fucking Vietnam Walter which I thought would have been great because it all those times he gets interrupted halfway through a story you know what I learned in Nam and then it ends because he's never in Nam so <laughs> the, the film won't let us give have that do his thing we go back to bowling we have one last meet up with the stranger uh, who says um he goes, take it. The stranger goes, take it easy. I know you will. And as he walks away, the uh, the dude goes, hey, the dude abides. And the camera stays with the stranger instead. We have a fourth wall break. Oh, right. Sam Elliott goes, it's good knowing he's out there. Taking it easy for all of us sinners. I sure hope he makes the finals. <laughs> it was a pretty good story, don't you think? I don't like seeing Donnie go. But I happen to know there's a little Lebowski on the way. Here's my question. Is the stranger God? Ooh. Ooh. He is kind of omniscient, isn't he? He, he does. knows everything. Could, could, could you swear a little less? Yeah. Yep, he knows everything about him. He goes, you're the perfect man for this time. Doesn't judge him. Gives him some inspiration. Can we have a favorite cameo? Well, it's not a cameo. It's, 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 just, it's just a small part. Can we have a favorite small part? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I love Sam Elliott. I thought you usually want to swear. Like, <laughs> I'm not quoting the movie, but jeez. Can you cut down on the swearing? <laughs> oh, well, I had forgotten he was about? even in this. From the first time I saw it to the second, I, did, oh, I totally forgot Sam I remembered so little about this. Uh, we go to The Dude Abides. And The Dude's line, The Dude Abides, is a reference to Ecclesiastes in the Bible, which says one generation passes away. Another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. It's a reference to the dude, much like the earth, can weather change and chaos around him, but still remain the same. And Jeff Bridges, in his other career as a musician, sometimes tours with a backing band called The Abiders. The closing song is Dead Flowers by Towns Van Zant. It's a cover a of a Rolling Stone song. Yeah, a Stone song. Uh, which plays with the, the closing credits. It was going to cost uh, the Coens 150 grand Whoa. to use it. 
Burnett convinced Klein to watch an early cut of the film. And when it gets to the part where the dude says, I hate the Eagles, Klein stood up and said, that's it. You can have the song for free. (laughs) (laughs) I love that even more. And I love the Eagles. So uh, unlike us, the dude drank nine white Russians during the course of the film. Jeez. So there we go. No wonder he was tripping. (laughs) Well, you know, not it was an all one sitting, thankfully. Is this the right button? Let's see. We'll find out. We're in the end game now. And we are in the end game now. Kev, you're here. You're our guest. We need you to pick a random word this week, buddy. A random word. Uh, I am going to say, um, frankly, I'm half in the bag from that white Russian. (laughs) So let me just, let's say Russian. Boom. (laughs) In today's climate, is that the one you want to go for? (laughs) I want to go home. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Yes. All right. Such as, Just you, for the record, I picked bowling ball. Did you bowling ball? There we go. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Let's take a look at uh, uh, how many times does the dude say man in this film? Ooh. Seven. I'm, I'm the dude, man. Seven. Okay. Georgia. 23 and kevin uh i'm gonna do prices right rules 24 all right 147 times Boom. about one and a half times a minute i'm the dude man how many times is an f-bomb or a variation thereof used in this film 78 kevin uh, I'm going to say 83. And Georgia. 84. Price is right rules. <laughs> 292. Wow. <laughs> Wowza. So there we go. The money. $15 million budget. Kevin's doing some fantasy box office with me this year. Ooh. $15 million budget. What does this film take home? I think this is a bit of a cult classic, not a thingy at the time. So I'm going to say... 75 million. Kevin? I'm going to say 150 million. Okay. Uh, 20. Okay. The correct answer is 46.7. Wow. What did you say, 75? Yeah. You Would you say 20, Georgia? Yeah. You're actually closest. <laughs> yeah. Without going over. Without going over, so there we go. Well done. Ethan uh, would have got a spot on, of course. <laughs> but, you know, that's just me thinking that, you know, maybe... Oh, sorry, go on. <laughs> I loved how you muted me. <laughs> he, he's telling me to carry on speaking, and then he mutes me. That's great. And then he mutes everybody. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to mute George's mic. No, I know, I know. That's <laughs> funny, though. <laughs> I think there's been a... Unfortunately, there's been a reaction to the white Russian. Oh, well, no. Georgia's uh, not feeling that well, so she's going to step oh, the rest of this one out. Yeah, bless you, Georgia. So it's a shame. Like she, I said, I'm having a reaction as well. It's a shame so she I was, can't be held responsible. She was, she was enjoying the film so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the awards, no real awards to speak of on this one. My God, uh, who would you have cast as who? Um. I mean, how can you recast Jeff Bridges? He's yeah. dynamite oh, in this. What we do here, Kev, is we, we cast ourselves in the role. Yeah, so yeah, we say yeah. if, we, if, oh! we had, if we had to make the film, if we had to make the film. I think you'd gotcha. be the dude. 
Oh, see, I think I could be the dude. I could do that. Yeah. But I'd also have a really good time playing Walter. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah half and half. <laughs> which, which day is it? Um, I think Kevin would be the dude. He's just way too happy and laid back. Hey, man, that's like your opinion. <laughs> you know, just like your opinion. You know who I'd be, don't you? I'd be Donnie. I'd very rarely get a word in. Yeah, shut up, Liam. Actually, you, actually, you, know, you, you know who Donnie would be? Yeah, go on. Ethan would be Donnie. <laughs> he gets way too many words in, though. He does. He, that's true. He speaks a lot more. I am the walrus. There we go. I am the walrus. That's brilliant. Uh, I do love it. We miss you, Ethan. Miss you, Ethan. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't know. Who, who, who are you then? What are we doing over there? Um, Jackie Treehorn? There you go. There we are. <laughs> go with that. Um, <laughs> does this film have a villain problem? Yeah, there's too many everywhere in there. Well, mis- I don't know if misdirects are necessarily villains. So Jackie Treehorn is not really the villain. The villain of this piece is the Big Lebowski. Hang on, you know who I'd be? I'd be Julianne Moore. <laughs> Coming down, splashing paint over an ass thing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh. Oh, um. I, I mean, one thing you like about this movie is this. I mean, it seems like the stakes are high, but they're really not that high. Not at all. You know what I mean? So the yeah. villains are not that villainous as far as things go. You know what I mean? So I appreciate that. And the yeah. whole story's a bit sloppy and everywhere, isn't it? So it's not about the story. No, but the villain it's is all over the place. It, it's, it's just what um, what the stranger says when he sits down. The stranger says, uh, "You know, well, that was a pretty good story. I think it's a shame about Donnie, but hey, I hope the dude makes the. You know, we're not left with anything that happens. I hope the dude can make the finals. Yeah, right. this is bowling league, isn't it? Why did Donnie have to die though? Uh, because something." It, it was the thing you weren't expecting to happen, and you might expect someone to go down, but it wouldn't have been because of natural causes. But he was nervous the whole time. Are we going to be? Are we in danger? So they they gave us enough precursors that oh okay, it's all right. I'd rather Walter of you know. That's the thing, though. You're expecting someone to happen. There's to more stakes, isn't there? yeah, because it's comeuppance. But life isn't. Hey, we talked about nihilism last week. Nihilism this week, man. Like life yeah. is random. Yeah, true, true. Um, what should this film have been called? Uh, the white Russian smoking a drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, that's hard. Yeah. Ransom. Ransom. Bowling isn't the story. What is it with these guys doing like botched ransom stories? Yeah. Because Fargo is a botched ransom story, isn't it? This should have been. Yeah. This should have been called. Santa Claus. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> uh, don't know, yeah. Where's the money? <laughs> the dude abides. <laughs> the dude abides, absolutely. The dude never bowls. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like the fact that that's just so hidden. You don't ever actually see him bowl. I, I, hey, yeah, it surprised me. Um, whose story is it? It's obviously it's the, the, dudes. the dudes, isn't it? Yeah. It's the dude. What is the story here? If Walter hadn't said anything, there wouldn't have been one. But that's not... The- <laughs> that's what the story wasn't. We don't know what the story is. I don't know what the story is. 
I mean, it really is just kind of a, a couple days in the life of the dude. The dude, the dude abides in it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, musical inspiration songs that should have been on the uh, soundtrack but weren't. And Some people say Bowling Alley's got big lanes, got big lanes, got big lanes. Any song from Bowling for Soup? <laughs> um, Snoop Dogg, maybe. Heroin. Eagles. <laughs> Take it to the limit. One more time. One more time. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of something that works, but yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Creedence Clearwater Revival. Unfortunate oh, Son. There's a lot of them. <laughs> bon, John Bon Jovi, Runaway. Oh, great song. She's a little runaway. I'll do that. Would that be a spoiler, though, if they're playing that when she goes missing? Who's to say? Who's to say? Yeah, who knows? Um, next up, we've got... Uh, she's just laughing. It's a shame. Role of women in this film. Um, Not all of them, but I think... Julianne, what is Julianne Moore's character name? Maud. 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 We Mod say Maud. Yeah, but this is an American film, and the pronunciation of her name was Maud. If I have to say Daniel Craig, because you say Craig here, then you, have to, Craig. Then you have to say Maud. <laughs> Maud. <laughs> Isn't that the same? <laughs> I think she's a very strong character. She's She does what she wants to do. She's an artist. She's forthcoming she's very strong in what she believes in and what she wants problems it's two characters well i mean do you guys have you guys are familiar with the bechdel test yes yeah, 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 yeah. two it's two female characters do not no I, I don't believe it if the bechdel test is the be all and end all but it is an interesting metric no, to look at, at. Yeah. but this one clearly fails it yeah, yeah, yeah but it's yeah. a story about a guy and his friends yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely and i'm okay like you know if you take a look at that, you know, Goodfellas. Does Goodfellas pass the Bechdel test? I don't think it does. No. No, whereas a lot of crappy films do pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. but no. Um, but no, but we have, we, there are only two women, and they're kind of polar opposites of each other, and it's the, the old trope of the the gold-digging um, vein. You know, what, what, what's, like, literally think about like, whatever her second line was. It's an it's an offer of sexual promiscuity in exchange for money. Money, 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 money. I'm just gonna go find a cash machine. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. funny. So uh I don't think it's that great in this one. I'll say that much. No, but I mean no. like I say, it's not many female characters. Well mod is mod is interesting as we're saying. She I is. mean Bunny's kind of a nothing character. Yeah, really. yeah. yeah. And the toe girl. She's nothing. I mean Mod's been <laughs> the poor toe girl. Oh that's what true. happened to her? She, did hop, they, she did hobbles they, home. Did they bump her off? Did they? What happened? She, she went there at the she end. She had her she? lingonberry pancakes. And that's yep. all you need. She was pissed. That's what she was. I don't blame her. On the yeah. way over, she just fell over. <laughs> Couldn't balance herself without pinky toe. Oh, no. Very important. I hate the fact that she cut up uh, um, a cowboy boot just uh, so her toe... <laughs> That was ridiculous. That, that, that got to me. There's a subplot <laughs> about her that gets that gets erased from, from from the movie where she's not allowed to go back to Germany. All right, because that piggy went wee 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 all the way home. <laughs> oh, she doesn't have it. She can't go home. I should have known you were setting that for a joke. <laughs> as soon as she went in that tone, I was like, shit, I fell for it again. Uh, oh. uh, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Favorite character? 
Mm. I mean, it's got to be the dude, doesn't it? I don't know though. He's hilarious. I'm, <sighs> I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna meet your point with my point. I'm gonna say Walter. Yeah, Walter's great too. But no I question. think Walter's his counterpoint, right? So that's yes. why this film is so good, is because you have these two very opposing forces, but they're like really good friends. So you put them in all these same situations and you just watch the conflict happen. Yeah, true. Yeah, I agree. I did like Maud though. <laughs> I knew you were Maud. I do. I liked her. I thought she was very. I just. She made me laugh. She's very thorough. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, nice British pronunciation there. <laughs> Thorough. I loved her artistry. Sure. Favorite cameo? There's not a cameo. <laughs> if, if there's a cameo, it's Flea. That's the only thing that can't qualify as a cameo in this movie. What about um, the Russian guy? I want to go he's home. A, he's an actor. It's not a cameo. Okay. A cameo is someone who's too, like, you're really famous. Let me find a place for you in my movie. That's a cameo. Small supporting cast member. <laughs> Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott! <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that guy. He's brilliant. How do you not like... Bu- in anything he does... I'm not disagreeing with you, although I haven't watched no, The Ranch. I'm sure The Ranch is terrible. Well, it, what's funny about Sam Elliott, like Clint Eastwood, both are from California. Oh. They're not from Alabama or East Texas or something. No, they're all from California. Movie cowboy. Hey, love him. Yep. Love um, him. Yeah. Uh, best moment, best element. I like the dream sequence bits. You know, when he's knocked out or when he's high or whenever he's <laughs> drugged or whatever. I quite like them sequences only because they distracted me from the movie, but in a good way. <laughs> I liked it because it got me away from the story they were trying to tell. (laughs) I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Walter really pissed me off. He was getting on my tits. He was repeating the same shit over and over and over. And he was getting to me a bit. Um, And the dude, he went really reacting. And, you know, if you had your place turned over, you're in a bath and you've just been assaulted and everything else. He was too easy going. I am not that easy going. If somebody invades my house in my property. This isn't you, though. (laughs) I can't help it. Can't. Can't. <laughs> Here's a question, Kevin. How often do you yep. use, because this frequently comes up for us, because Liam frequently puts himself in the movie. So he sees every protagonist through the lens of, is this, is this what I would do or is this not what I would do? And I think judges his like, dislike of the character according then based on if it was believable of something he would do. <laughs> Whereas I'm much more of a fly on the wall when I view, you know, at no point am I, am I viewing these protagonists through the lens of, is this what I would do? I'm just kind of, as long as they're consistent to the character they've created, that's my big thing. But I talk to other people and they've gone, yeah, I put myself in movies. I'll, you know, I, I do something similar. Where's your, where's your stance on this? I honestly think it depends. I mean, if you watch a horror movie, for example, in many cases, you find yourself asking, what would I do if I was in this situation? You, know, I don't you try to them. put yourself in those positions. Oh, yes. I'm not but asking I, when I, the jump scare goes to go. Now, if I was here, would I, if I was a fly on the wall, how would I interpret that jump? Would I be scared now? <laughs> <laughs> right. No question. <laughs> I, honestly, as long as I'm entertained, I'm cool. Yeah. If people act totally bizarre and off the wall, as long as I'm entertained, I'm good. So there you okay, go. so back to back to where we were. Yeah, so I quite liked the dream sequency bits, and I also liked um, the call to the old school MGM girl dancers with the pins. Buzzy Berkeley. Oh, it was brilliant! I thought that was great. 
probably not great that he's looking under their skirts and stuff, but the whole <laughs> flying and going through the pins and the pin follow and the ball following him and I, I found that quite fun. But yeah, that's my favorite. The naked girl who comes up out of nowhere is quite the abrupt. Wait, what? Uh, and that's yes. not a criticism. It's just it's the idea we've established, and then she comes popping up, and we're like, okay, something's changed. And it is true to the scene that's following, so it's not necessarily a criticism thereof. But again, I put myself in that situation. I'm going, that looks like fun. Cat, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, favorite moment, favorite moment? Um, I mean, you know, conversely, all those scenes that I said before, where it's like the weird dream sequences, were the reasons I think I disliked the movie the first time I saw it. Uh, because I felt like those scenes kind of went on and on and on. Honestly, if I had to pick, it's hard because I, I love all the interactions between the dude and Walter. Those are my favorite. If I had to pick one, it's honestly where Walter is shaking the ashes and they all blow back <laughs> on, on the on the dude. <laughs> I'm sorry. That made me laugh out loud. That was hilarious. Uh, you can do favorite element, which um, would qual- so I'm going to, I'm going to throw in a sneaky honorable mention, because if you can mention Sam Elliott. And, Sam Elliott! And, <laughs> Sam Elliott, absolutely. Uh, I will mention the cinematography, and this is top-notch. It is good. Um, but my favorite thing is the chemistry between the, 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 the two lead actors. Uh, it's just fantastic. And so yeah. when you get that right, and I'm trying to go, is the dialogue great because the chemistry's right, or is the chemistry great because the dialogue's right? I think it's one of the same. So whatever they did to create the dynamic is A1 by me. Like you said, it's their polar opposites. Yep. Um, the way they're friends. Right. You know, because um, I wouldn't say me and you are polar opposites, but we're very different yep. in, in how we are, but we're right. still very, very good friends. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I liked about them. Even at the very end... Um, when he, the ashes go on the dude, he's pissed. He doesn't say anything yes! straight away, but he's pissed. And then he embraces him. And that's that's friendship. True friendship. That's friendship. Yeah. No question. I mean, and truly, if, if the dialogue is right, I will forgive a lot of sins in movies, truly. Yeah. Um, what do we have here? A grumble. Liam, start us off. A grumble. Uh, a lot of these things that happen doesn't really go anywhere. Like um, right. the whole private eye thing. He's following him yep. for so many times and then he has that confrontation with him and then that goes nowhere. He didn't mention That's it. That's it. The girl who has a coat off, cut, cut off, sorry. Um, you'd think that she did something for a, for a reason and then she's not mentioned. She's not even with them at the end when they're trying to get some money. Um, right. all these different things that don't really pay off for any reason. I don't, the guy who's the, um, landlord. Yeah. What was the point? Right. Like, there was no point to that whatsoever. You know, I just, there was I just, agree. just bits about it. I just really didn't understand. So that's my girl. Kevin. I mean, it's kind of going with you where it's like, this movie is not a plot movie. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you start breaking down, why is the, the brother Seamus, as he calls himself, there? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Like I said before, my biggest issues are the – and they're beautifully shot, but the crazy dream sequences. <laughs> um, oh, I struggled with this movie getting through it again today. 
I just, it's just one of those ones where sometimes a two-hour film bruises by, and sometimes a two-hour film feels like forever. And this one especially, I just found myself going, is, I get this is supposed to, the second half especially, if it's supposed to be funny, I'm just not laughing. No. Um, where I think, I, mean, I think they were going for some sort of humor in places where each twist would happen, but I think, I think there's a lot of diminishing returns with the dude's chillness and with Walter's over-the-topness. And I think after a while, you go, yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this fight. I've seen this fight three times now. Where are we going with this? What's new? And nothing's new. And instead, they try to up mods part. They try to up other people's. And I think it just overcomplicates itself. Probably the 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 porn guy's storyline, which is one bit too much. We just didn't need that 15 minutes. No. And, and the th- why did he drug him? Yeah, it made no sense. Don't come back to Malibu. Like none of that mattered. No, none, none of that right. mattered. None. And you could argue, and this is the thing with Cohen films in general. You could argue that's what the whole film is. None of this mattered. And when we do no country, right. I'll say none of this mattered, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant because <laughs> yeah. none of it mattered. In the big, in the big Lebowski. I, I don't know. I really don't because it sets it up for the plot. I mean, and this one that comes out of just, you know, someone pissed on my rug and I want my, I want my, but at no point does he even go, Hey, it's not even about the rug. It's the fact that I don't want to come home and get like waterboarded in my toilet. No. Like it became tee hee hee. It's about the rug. I got waterboarded because you can't control your wife. Yeah. I got waterboarded and you, you might not owe me anything for the rug, but you can, you shouldn't have responsibility for the fact that people are out to get you and they're getting me instead. I got a problem with that. Yeah. And yet, at the end of the day, our our characters haven't learned anything. They haven't gone on to anything. What happens? The dude abides, and Donnie's death is just kind of Sam Elliott going, I do feel bad about Donnie. Is that it? Is that where we've gone? Yeah. You know, I I sure hope they can make the finals. How are you even going back to bowl? Everything was about going back to bowling. Like, like, but Donnie was the guy carrying them through through the league. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no way it's going to work. No. So uh, I think I did about nine things there, but uh, that's fine. I'll, se- let, I'll let that the, slide. The second, <laughs> I was waiting for the plot to pick up, and the plot wasn't picking up, and I just kind of wanted really something. I wanted something more of it. It was, and it yeah, wasn't. Same. So that's all right. Um, anybody's best role ever? Ah, uh, despite everything I just said. Jeff Bridges and John Goodman, as far as films, possibly John Goodman. Jeff Bridges. Hmm. I mean, what would you pick above it? That's the question. Yeah, well, that's the you can't I, just, liked, yeah. I liked Fabulous Baker Boys. How is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, no, that's fair. That's what he does with his brother, Pew. Bo. Bo. Boo. Bo. 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 Boo. Boo. <laughs> I don't know. Bo. Um, you my boo. <laughs> <laughs> my boogaloo. Um, yeah, I love Fabulous, Fabulous Baker Boys. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer's in it too. Um, I also like him in True Grit. I thought he was good for a remake. It was pretty good. I haven't seen True Grit, but it's 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 very highly regarded as it, his it, performance. It, it was pretty pretty good. Um, even uh, there's that country movie. He was um, kind of marble in True Grit. Sorry, sorry, say that again. In True Grit, he was kind of marble mouth. Where like, yeah, 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 yeah. Crazy Heart. I thought he was quite good in that. See, I haven't seen any of these. Oh, okay. Uh, so my 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 Jeff Bridges is quite low as far as my knowledge thereof. Oh, okay, I quite like Jeff Bridges. Um, he's a cool cat. But John Goodman, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it was it was different for John Goodman to do this sort of role. I felt. 
Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's, you know? it's definitely a definite break from his Roseanne character. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's either this or King Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, born yesterday is a disappointment you have not experienced yet. So, yeah, him and Melanie Griffith. I mean, that's just, oh, it's not good. Um, oh, We won't do the age game because Georgia was the one prepping for it, and she's gone, and I'm oh, just like, all right. That's a shame. I'd like to know how old Sam Elliott was. Oh, I'll do a truncated <laughs> age game. Give me a moment. Jeez. I don't think he's that old in this, honestly. I mean, I think this is, when was this? This is just after Tombstone. We must be doing this is the 20... 20- Whatever anniversary. This has got to be a 98 release. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Big Lebowski, yeah, 98. And he was in Roadhouse, which would have been about 98, 99. So 98. So about 10 years earlier, he was in Roadhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's start with... He said, oh, I can just do that. Okay, let's start with Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. We'll go back and forth on a few of these. Uh, let me hit the proper mm-hmm. sound intro. I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? Age game, age game. Let's all play the age game. And thanks a lot to Moonlight Social for our age game ditty. Liam, yeah. Jeff Bridges, how old? 47. And Kev? You know what? I think I'm going to say 47 as well. Is that allowed? I mean, you can do it. It's not much function. It's high on the point, but yeah. Okay, 48. All right. <laughs> Ready for this? He's 48. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, let's do well John done. Goodman. Let's do John Goodman. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, let's have Kev go first. Uh, let's say 53. 53. Ooh. Liam? I would have said younger. 50. 50. And Liam wins this one. He was 45. Ooh. Oh, damn. Yeah. Wow. Look, it looks a bit old there, doesn't he? Yeah. Let's yeah. let's do Buscemi. Buscemi. Oh, I love Buscemi. Um, 35. And Kev. Let's say 40. He's exactly 40 years of age. Wow. He looks good for his age, doesn't he? Julianne uh-huh. Moore. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Kev, you're up first. Is it my turn? Uh, yeah. I'll say uh, 30, 30. 30, okay. 32. 37, Liam gets Ooh. the point. Oh, She's good for age. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll do a few more. Sam Elliott. Oh, oh that's my favorite. Um, um, you're up first on this one. 57. I'm going to say 52. Uh, he's 53. <laughs> Oh, you're the on point. fire. When, when Kev gets him, he gets him bang on. Yeah. You're getting him for like seven years away, yeah, which is sort of, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's do David Huddleston. <gasps> Santa Claus. Santa Claus himself. He's not as old as looking this. Come on. Uh, let's, uh, let's say, let's say 60. Yeah, okay. I was going to pump at 60, so I'll say 59. 58. Woo! Okay, so 33. So let's come down to the last one here. <laughs> here we go. Let's do Tara Reed. Tara Reed. Um, 27. I'm going to say 23. 22. Oh, well done. <laughs> so there we go. 4 3. But a, a nice back and forth there. No one ran away with it. That was yeah. close. All right. Well so. done. Well done. Uh, the critics, on oh my word, has Georgia left me with all the heavy lifting to do? I think she has. She has. This is, this <laughs> I is would usually, try and do this, right? But, she um, would do. 
It would take uh, me three I'm weeks. I'm hoping some of this is. <laughs> does she have this here? Uh, yeah, I've got some critics here. I, if I can figure out what the heck she's on about, I've just got random screenshots. Uh, so let's say. Uh, the good, the bad, and we the Ebs, we hope. Peter Travers, Rolling Stones, is a hilarious pop culture hash. The Big Lebowski is the best movie ever set mostly in a bowling alley. <laughs> so what does it beat? Kingpin? Yeah. <laughs> and I like Kingpin. Is that yeah. with um, Harrelson? Yes. Woody Harrelson. I've never seen that. I'd like Bill to. Murray. Yeah. It's comedy. I remember Bill Murray. I don't remember Harrelson. I remember Randy Quaid. Oh, Randy Quaid. Yep. Jeez. Yep. Yeah. Well, Harrelson's the main character. Yeah. Um, let's do... Oh, Georgia did send me some age game stuff, bless her. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's go with... I don't have a bad one here. Let's go with Destin Thompson, the Washington Post, who says with her inspired, absurdist taste for weird, peculiar Americana, the Coens have defined and mastered their own bizarre subgenre. No one does it like them, and it almost goes without saying, no one does it better. And then, um, finally, we'll look at Roger Ebert. Eeps. The Coen Brothers' The Big Lebowski is a genial shambling comedy about a human train wreck and should come with a, like, a warning like the one matched Mark Twain attached to Huckleberry Finn. Quote, persons attempting to find a plot and it will be shot. Um, That's not wrong. <laughs> the dude lives, uh, most people lead lives with, with a third act. The dude lives days without evenings. The spirit is established right at the outset when the narrator starts off low enough but eventually confesses. He's lost his train of thought. I think much like the movie itself, I would say. Um, I will say this. Roger Ebert originally gave the movie three out of four stars in 1998. In 2010, he said he got it wrong and bumped it to four stars and added it to his great movies list mm. for what that's worth. So That seems kind of like a cheat, honestly. What, to come back I mean? and redo it? Yes. I mean, if you hate him, of course. This well, three out of four stars is <laughs> hating, right? <laughs> that's true i mean he roger ebert is kind of notorious for doing that like i hated the movie back in whatever and now i've I've kind of re-evaluated it i don't know i I do go with this like stand by your words man yeah because it's supposed to be on first viewing not what the legacy of the film turned out to be right on first viewing how did you feel because that's what every other review you've done is based on you're not going back on for every movie 25 years later and going how do i feel about this one now but we acknowledge i was a bit off no i hear you on that let mm. it you know wear that l i guess or stand by it do something mm. yeah and we nobody's perfect nope. we all make mistakes he isn't going back and hitting mac and me again right <laughs> Dreadful film. Or Santa Claus the movie. Uh, <gasps> Big Lebowski, 8.1 on the IMDb, 79% on the Rotten Tomatoes. You now, say tomatoes, I say tomatoes. That's right. Um, that's an old, we haven't done that for a long time. We haven't. No. Um, where am I at here? Oh, no. George uh, sent me all the stuff, and I'm just starting to lose it. Uh, so <laughs> our fifth seat rankings, this one's from the cool cat himself, Ryan Kukats. Not to be a boring film bro about it or anything, but I quite like the Coens. They've been making films for 40 years and they've only got two absolute stinkers. This is one of their most beloved, but when I first watched it, I was about 13. I didn't really get it. In the redacted years since I've come to love it over multiple rewatches, it's not because I'm more aware of its noir inspirations, and it's not because I kind of sort of understand what the fuck is going on now. The plot doesn't really matter, man. We're all just tumbleweed (laughs) blowing in the breeze at the end of the day. Just go with it. It's uh, because it's really just fucking funny. A lot of it's down to the character. The characters are so strong 
Thrawn. There are so many little... Sorry, I've had to switch things here. So many little lines, gestures, even little facial tics that make me howl. Especially any scene with the irreplaceable Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was excellent in this film. He was. Uh, oh, it's so brilliantly constructed, too. It's own freewheeling ramshackle way. Bonus points for the word ramshackle. With Jeff Bridges and John Goodman holding it all together. Though I do think it loses a bit of juice towards the end. Yep. Not mm. the very end, though. That's actually surprisingly moving. Not my favorite Cohen, but maybe after a few more rewatches. P.S. Did Ian deliberately program these films featuring nihilism close together? A mini nihilism te- season? He's such a fucking teacher. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong there. Who's that, Richard? I love Richard, man. Yeah, He's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't uh, pick everything everywhere all at once. That was a Julene thing, and this was purely random and the best part of nihilism i suppose then is that you can have these things bump into each other was that richard or ryan kukets that was richard that was richard did i say ryan kukets at first i think so oh my bad richard okay uh there we are um next uh, he, he oh i should say he gives it blank toes out of 10 next one up is hermes uh, who says hey, this one might be the ultimate absurd stoner comedy mystery of all time and i love it for all it's worth the outstanding range of performances and random characters the quirkiness of the story and direction and yet somehow a weird underlying string of heart that connects it all together i understand the coens are not always everyone's cup of tea but the absurdity you often find in their films has always tickled me for which i will always love cannot wait to hear the inevitable wide range of reactions to this one but just go easy on him guys he's just a dude after all and that was from Hermes. So uh, thanks a lot, Hermes. Good. Uh, next, we've got, you're going to have to help me with this one, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. Who says, I remember watching The Big Lebowski in my 20s and thinking it was amazing. Rewatched it about five years ago. I wasn't quite as enamored with it. Oh, that's interesting. Someone who watches it and it goes the other way on them. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, this film has become cult over the years, and I think it's mainly down to the great characters. It's incredibly quotable and has some iconic scenes, which also plays into the whole cult status. I, this is the first film I remember seeing Jeff Bridges in, and he is so brilliant as the dude. He has become one of my favorite actors since John Goodman, and the array of bowling team characters are all hilarious. This is a dialogue-heavy film, which Ian should like. Not top-tier Coen Brothers for me, but still pretty damn good. Hmm. All right. And I, mean, that, I think Coen Brothers fans like think this is top drawer all the way. Yeah, it seems it. See, I, yeah, I don't know if I call myself a Coen Brothers fan. That's the problem, I guess. I don't know. Mm. Right. Um, I'm just looking for, I put the tweet out as I'm known to do, or a fleece, if you will. And uh, it came out as saying, I ask the same question every time. Is this a great film, good film, okay film, or poor film? 63% Wow. call this a great film wow i'm looking up last week oh yeah ever just ever so slightly behind everything everywhere all at once like 60 percent great film 20 percent good film six 15 percent okay film two percent poor film um i'll say this years ago i would have called this a poor film i would no longer do that no i wouldn't um so let's take a look and see if there's any commentaries in the fledgling fandom. Jesse B says, love the movie. Hey. It's remembered as a stoner movie, but it's more white Russians than anything else. The relationship between Donnie and Walter was something, man. Best to enjoy the spontaneous moments in relationships and not try to follow a story. Nostalgia cast says, we're on record as liking it a lot. Lots of stuff to parse out, whether it's the movie's themes of status or class. It's nods to Raymond Chandler. It's just a bunch of random, hilarious, meaningless nothing. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Mikey Wood, also known as Sir Gives It Am, but we call him Fred, said, haven't seen it many times, honestly, twice. So I don't hold it with the reverence that some do. 
for good or for ill, but it's so good. Jeff Bridges, frankly, makes everything good, and it's worth it for the hallucination dream sequence alone. <laughs> Carlos says, arguably my favorite comedy. Uh, my, the funny thing is that the first time I saw it, I was not impressed, but then I found myself quoting bits and lines from it, so I gave it a second shot, and that's when it clicked. It's absurd yeah. fun. Just like the Coens can deliver, he says, excited to see how the BFE navigates this, but I know most of you will probably hate it. And you know what? And the gift says, yeah, well, you know, that's just like your opinion. Man. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. And Josh, your next favorite movie, says, I remember watching this and not getting what the big deal is. Coen brothers have done much better. All I think of this is, and it's the shouty gift from, um, uh, uh, oh, my word, what's her name? What's her name? I've totally gaffed on her name. Oh, Meryl Streep. Thank you. Meryl Streep going overrated. <laughs> I thought Meg Ryan. I'm like, no, it's an M, but it's not that M. I know that for a fact. So there we have it. Um, so that would be that one more snippet. In a 2013 interview with Terry Gross, Joel Cohen told a story about having recently been at a movie theater in San Francisco, California, where they saw a booth displaying Lebowski posters. Ethan Cohen asked the teenage girl what was going on, and she proceeded to tell him about the theater's nightly screenings of the movie. She said that people come dressed in costumes, quote, and you two should come, and you'll like it. It's fun. She had no idea the two men she was speaking to had made the movie. And in a rare Cohen Brothers interview in 2009, this is really interesting based on what we were just saying, Kevin. Joel right. Cohen flatly stated, that movie has more of an enduring fascination for other people than it does for us. Ah. So there we go. It would strike me as thinking they're not really that big and thinking it's their top tier sort of level. No, I agree. See, right. me, they're not precious about it. My top tiers, you know, No Country for Old Men, Fargo. Fargo's good. Uh, Burn After Reading, you know, that's kind of me. I haven't seen the other two. If you like this film or episode, you'll like Fargo. Yeah. Go, 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 go listen to our Fargo review. That's dark but funny. It's dark but funny. The winner of Discontent. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so now it's time for our ratings. I'll start with George's. Yeah, because I did ask her for one. Good. No commentary, just the number. Yep. Four and a half out of ten. Ooh. Yeah, she was quite clear, but she did not like this. I assumed five. You assumed five? I assumed five. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, still twice the movie Train Spotting is apparently. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's learning. <laughs> uh, Liam, what do you got? Okay. On the podcast earlier, I said that very much like Marmite, you either like them or you hate them. Now, mm. I love Fargo. Uh, most of the other Coen Brothers movies I'm not really too keen on. i am not seen Country for Old Men, whatever that was called. No Country for Old no Men. No Country for Old Men. I've yeah. not seen that. I've not seen Burn After Reading. Um, well, I didn't mind Brother Where For The problem though. is it's hard to find copies of it. <laughs> Because you incinerate them after you view it. <laughs> so I'm going to go against my own judgment here and say I'm on the fence with this one. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. All right. So, um, yeah, it was... I could see where they were going with it because there's elements of this I did love. I love the cinematography. I love the dream sequences. Yes, I did laugh at some bits, but they were very minute. Um, chemistry between the two lead characters was very good. Um, I loved Sam Elliott. What a man. And um, so I'm going to give this six. <laughs> Stick a gun up your ass and click, click, clicks out of ten. Jeez. <laughs> I haven't even thought of one for me yet, so there we go. <laughs> I thought of it earlier and I thought, write that down. Write wow. that down. Yeah. Kevin, I feel like you're going to be higher than this. 
Well, I mean, like I said, the first time I saw it in the theater, I probably would have given it about a five. Like, I acknowledge there were funny moments, but I didn't think what you know what was all the big uh, hubbub about. After watching it more recently, maybe this is just a product of of these kind of movies. I think I'm going to give it an eight out of ten because mm. I think honestly, I think it's all predicated on the performances of Jeff Bridges and uh, John Goodman. Goodman. I think the the dialogue is hilarious. And I almost say I'm an old man now. I put on the subtitles. So you catch all the jokes that maybe you missed the first time. I can't do that. You know what I mean? Now, and, and that's the thing about the Coen brothers. I find a lot of their movies, Fargo and Burn After Reading, they have these funny moments and then just crazy violence. It just seems to pop up out of nowhere. And I'm yeah. like, how am I supposed to feel about this? I'm not sure. But this movie doesn't really have that. It's really kind of light. Um, and if you haven't seen Raising Arizona with Nicolas Cage, <laughs> stop what you're doing. Rush out. I don't know where you're rushing to, but go see Raising Arizona. Yeah. yeah you, you no longer have to. There's, uh, people, young people today will never realize the heartbreak of going to the video store and seeing the one physical copy has been rented to someone else. Yes. Yeah. Like you have limitless copies. Just go, yeah. on to, I just go on to Prime and never once has Prime gone sold out. Come back tomorrow. Am I right? right? Am I right in thinking Raising Arizona? Because I watched it years ago and only watched it once, so I only remember mm-hmm. bits. Is that the one with Nicolas Cage where he nicks a baby? Yes. You, you already Nicolas asked Cage if it was Nicolas Hollywood. Cage. He's already confirmed. Yeah, it. but I'm just trying to oh, see if that was the that one. Plot. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. They steal. They steal a baby uh, from a famous furniture outlet owner because he's had like six kids or whatever it is, and they steal one because they are unable to have kids. That's right. And hijinks ensue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um I hated this movie the first time I saw it. Yeah, you, and you made that abundant clear. And didn't Oh, did I? Yeah. Well, okay. And didn't uh, touch it again for <laughs> the, the, the 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 remaining time. Uh until this. Uh going uh, it's different. I mean, there's so much more of it you look at and you realize and you go, "Okay, fair enough. This is this is very good. The cinematography is fantastic." The it writing is. is strong. Um, the question is, and maybe this is a hang-up on my part. Maybe it is. Maybe a film doesn't have to do this. But shouldn't I care a little bit about where we're going? Or if I do care, shouldn't that be either rewarded or frustrated, but at the very least told that that matters? Yeah. And not told that it doesn't matter? And this movie right. told me it didn't matter. This movie told me, that oh, was a nice story, wasn't it? And, and I'm like, the film literally told me that was a nice story, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm like, no, no, Sam Elliott, you're charming. You're not getting away with this. Um, and so I'm sitting here going, I, I want Donnie's death should mean something. Yeah, and like, this is the wrong film for this nihilist, heavy end note, but life goes on. Mm. You know, this movie did what the dude said he did. This movie just abides. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. It, it happened. And, and I wanted something greater out of it. And that's the difference between real life and storytelling is in storytelling. You can give me that and the conscious choice not to. And it doesn't come off. Oh, I can't wait to see no country because it's so wonderfully crafted to get okay, there okay. to a point where I like say this is brilliant for this reason. This case, I'm just going, this is defeated for this reason. And maybe it's because it's a comedy and we expect different things out of comedies than we do out of dramas or whatever the case might be. But Or or maybe it's because no country's got, like, Western tendencies to it, so it sucks right. you in. Yeah. 
Um, but I'm not, um, so I'm going to go with this and I still don't even have, you know what? I don't have it because this movie didn't give me it. So it doesn't deserve anything out of it. It's six <laughs> oh, and a half, it's six and a half out of 10. Okay. That's all. There's no funny thing to it because that would require some actual foresight and thought. And this movie didn't give it to me. So why should I give it back in return there? You know, that was a nice grade, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Going back to your thing about, um, Donnie though. Yeah. We didn't really care too much about his character. So his death didn't really mean that much. Any of the characters, if any of them died, would that have meant anything to you? Would that have hurt? Would that have... Even with the dude going, that would not have... I'd not have felt that? No, but, but, but they would have had storyline significance. So if the dude died, it would have storyline significance. If Walter yeah. died, it would have yeah. storyline significance. If if Bunny died, it would have storyline significance. If Old Lebowski died, it would have storyline significance. Donnie's the only guy who, of the main people who dies, and it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah, Which is why he was chosen. I didn't feel for any of those characters. I didn't. I didn't um, feel like any urgency about them being killed or anything like that. I didn't. I didn't really care too much. And the only reason I cared about Steve Buscemi's character, Donnie, is because I like him as, a, as an actor. Yeah, because you see. But again, that's part of the. You can't divorce casting from characterization. So when you put Steve Buscemi, that's designed to go. Oh, I like Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Oh, Steve right. Buscemi. Yeah. And so you have that affinity for him. So when he dies, you go. Oh, Steve Buscemi died. Yeah. I don't know if it's Donnie died, no, but no, Steve no. Buscemi yeah. died. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I, there is a sweetness when when Walter lays him down in, in the in the in the parking lot of of the bowling lane. Right. And he realizes his friend is having a heart attack and it's not as plot centric as did he get hit. No, no, shoot, it's a little bit of real life in my in my silly zany movie. If that was a theme that we could have picked up on in some other capacity where I go, Oh, okay, I get I get this thematically, even if not narratively, I get it thematically. Yeah. I could buy into it. I just don't and you know what the first hour of the way through the movie i was going i was wrong about this and i had a big smile on my face and i was going all right yeah and the second half just doesn't hit the first same way the first half does nope no because that's the that's problem fair. you can quirk it's really easy to quirkily introduce a character mm-hmm. then you gotta have them do something and so what they do instead hey here's a here's a guy driving a beetle yeah i feel like ethan right now <laughs> here's your job what's his story You're and it's going to find out it's going, no, no no let's go back to the characters you can't just distract me with another new character yeah what are we going to do with the ones that we've got so even the the laughing guy um you felt like he had a bit of something going yeah, on what was then, his thing? yeah what nothing happened? there nothing. nothing just another just another weird guy to go what's his or or the guy who does the porn, or the guy, yeah. or, or or the police chief in Malibu. Yeah. Just characters, you go, what's his right. deal? And we just kept introducing them rather than deal with the characters we've established. Yeah. So that's me. I mean, is it nihilism? Is that what we're supposed to take from this? <sighs> See, I, I teach no country. So, like, I'm 100% all in on nihilism and talking about it. But is nihilism, is that what life is? Life is just introducing you to new, that you could argue, that's what life is. Life is introductions. Maybe. And very Things rarely do you, and very rarely do you get closure on any situation that you develop anyway. I yeah. just uh, I do appreciate it'd be really interesting if you could have made Sam um what's his name? Sam Neil. Elliot. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, sorry, Sam Neil, different movie there. Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh if if it made Sam Elliott pop up a little bit, I mean he I mean, he, he did get like a, he got the voiceover at the start and the midpoint and the end, but maybe some sort of idea that, you know Who was he? What was he? Oh, about? he's God. Oh, you think so? That's my read. He's God because oh, he knows okay. he knows that she's pregnant. Yeah. How else would he? He's the omniscient narrator. Okay, great. I, you can call that. Yeah, in, in a sense, that's yeah, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you know what's going on in, the, in in this creation, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, or a weird stalker. (laughs) (laughs) So there is that there. Uh, So we can reveal what the Patreon vote was. Who's the voice of the people? And it's Kev. Kev's the voice of the people. Oh, there we are. Eight eight out of ten. So there we go. I feel our listeners like it more than we do, though. I mean, they they, they were very... This is what I said when I came on. This is one of those films that the film podcasts do. And why do they do it? Because it's generally highly regarded by, especially by a male. All three vote, all three patreon things we had were were men yeah i imagine this if we skewed this male versus female i bet you the scores were significantly higher with men than women okay yeah, yeah, yeah i think it's also like after you know what this movie is then the second viewing you can really kind of just appreciate the things that it's meant to be yeah, you know I'm, what i mean yeah and i'm gonna contradict myself a little bit here but i'm gonna go should should you have to see a movie twice to get it that's fair. Although Pulp Fiction, I, see Pulp Fiction, I argue you you enjoy the, the second first time. View, you enjoy the get it the second time doesn't stop an enjoyable viewing the first time. Exactly. You shouldn't have to watch yeah. a movie twice to to get it. Yeah, yeah. You can appreciate yeah. it. It's like the Prestige. You watch it once and you go, "Whoa!" You watch the second time and you go, "Clever." And yeah. I think Pulp Fiction's that same barrier. Mm-hmm. There was something else we did recently where I went, "I shouldn't have to watch this twice to get it." Yeah. Yeah. Um. Or if you go all the way back to my least favorite film, I've still reviewed on the pod, Pal's Moving Castle. You shouldn't have to watch it twice to get you it. Shouldn't, you shouldn't. No. Full stop. So. Here's another question. Yeah. Would you watch it again? <sighs> I would love to watch it again with someone who's passionate about it. It's a brilliant movie and have them talk, literally talk me through it. Okay. In real time. Because I don't think I'd watch it again. But that's never... You see, you're, you're very big on the would you watch it again. That's not a barometer. If I, like, I bet you Schindler's List I'll watch once in my life. And I'll, I, might give it like a, I might give it a 10. But I ain't watching it more than once. Yeah, I know. No. Yeah, but that's a different kind of movie. I mean, up in the air, I watched... I've watched twice in my life. But the first time, I loved it. But it didn't mean I had to go back and watch it again. The Pianist. I love The Pianist. I'm not in a hurry to go back and see that again. That was tough. Yeah, tough movie. Right. The Artist. So, I started watching it on a plane and went, no, nah, I give up on one? this. It's a silent one. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Excuse me. My headphones are not working. Can you imagine <laughs> me who so ne- needs dialogue so much and then giving me that? Like, I, I teach a imagine silent film in, unit, but yeah. Imagine going into work and, you know, you ain't got to learn any lines. Imagine that. Going into work and not. Learning oh. any lines. <laughs> Being an actor. If you were an actor, that's the part yeah, I was yeah, missing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought I'm teaching silently. How's this working? Could you imagine? Have you learned? Your I lines? mean, that's a harder acting job because now it's all about your expression. Right. You, you can't like use the words as a crutch. See, George is very good at acting without dialogue. Mm. I am so rubbish at acting without dialogue. Give me dialogue. Right. I'll give you a performance out of it because I'll think about why that word. What word am I going to hit? How am I going to make this feel? Oh, for days. But if you if you take those words away, I, I've what? Because now I've got no solid ground to step on. It's all <laughs> oh, people who can do that blow me away. Blow me away. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Well, it's that thing where people who don't act kind of like, how do you learn all those lines? That's the easiest part. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Yep. You're not wrong. Um, something which I feel really quite remiss. We didn't have you nearly go on long enough, if at all, about why don't you talk about your pod for a bit and what it is that you guys are doing and plug 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 all the stuff you got coming out because we're massive fans of the podcast that wouldn't die. Oh, I appreciate that. We're the podcast that wouldn't die. We're doing, uh, last week we did uh, 
Critters. Oh. Uh, this week we have the 1985 movie House with William Cat from Greatest American Hero and George Went from Cheers. Are these shows that uh, made it across the pond, by the way? Oh, Cheers made it across the pond, yeah. I like Cheers. Yeah. No, and, well, also I'm Canadian, so. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. And, and next week we're doing The Ring, the American remake of the Japanese classic. So all sorts of good stuff. What's that, 1999 or something like that? Yes, with uh, Naomi Watts and yeah. a guy from Virgin River on Netflix. Yeah, I've never, I've never seen it. I'm not a horror guy. But, no, I'm not either. But I, I'm, a, I'm a guy who's massively a fan of, of you guys and Kevin, everything you do, and you've been very good coming on. Thank you. A yeah. variety of stuff that we've done over the, over the, I could say, years now. I mean, geez, I mean, we're three years in as of as of next week. So, That's nuts. But uh, no, it's just it's so it's so easy, Kevin. If I'm being honest, uh, we get more than our fair share of requests to people who want to come on the pod, and I never really want to do it unless it's an authentic relationship we've developed. When we were young, it was like young when we were first starting off. It was like who can be on our show and we can be on their show, and oh, that'll be great. Right, and, yeah. well, and after a few steps of going, what am I doing? Uh, become a lot more selective with that sort of situation, but it's uh, it's uh, it's a genuine pleasure to have you and have you talk some some films and and bring your um your analysis and your insight into the conversation that's for sure i really appreciate that guys i mean you've been very welcoming to me and i really appreciate it yeah. we have a genuine connection with our listeners don't we so it's really nice well, listen and just the idea that you know the, the, the podcast community for everything we talked about at the start of the show we were talking about uh what's happened over the, the film effect and podcast in general is that yeah. there, there's some really good people out there as well there's some people really who are, are there's some people who are trying to become famous in five minutes and they kind of disappear yeah. about five minutes later but the ones who've stuck around i mean you know you kind of get into this thing and you know, I keep saying it over and over again. There's room for more than one of us at the table. And you've said that from day one. Yeah, like not uh, our success or someone else. Someone else's success doesn't prevent us from being successful. That's no. never a thing. So we're there cheering right. everybody else along, yeah. rather than viewing them as competition. Absolutely. Far, far, far from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there we go. Uh, so I guess all that's left to do is talk about what we're doing next week when Liam says he's not going to be here again, <laughs> and then pops back on on our three-year anniversary. True, our third birthday. A reminder, get some get That's some amazing. birthday messages in. Yeah, we've happy done all right. Birthday, We're quite happy. Happy birthday. We're three. We'd be like almost going to the preschool. Three is the magic number. It's the magic number. We'll see if it is or not. It's the magic number. Yeah. And next week, three is the magic number. Oh. Because we're going to go all the way to France. Oh. In the time of Louis the 14th. Man in the Iron Mask. We're going to talk about D'Artagnan. Ah, we're going to talk about, hang on, Three Musketeers, and D'Artagnan, and two Leo DiCaprios. We are the man in the we're Iron Mask. We're doing the man in the Iron Mask, a film that I, I famously right. argued that Leo deserved an Oscar for more than Titanic. So we'll see. It's been a while since I've hey, seen this. This is, this is the start of his serious career here. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> That's the start? Hey, he's up with Jeremy Irons, Gerard Depardieu. You know, uh, John, John, John Malkovich, absolutely. He's brilliant. I, I love Malkovich's accent work in this film. It's true, appreciate <laughs> I have not seen this in this century. I, Easily. I it's been a while. Easily. So, uh, while. not as highly regarded, but a fun film. A film that will help us bring in our, uh, our third anniversary as it celebrates its 25th anniversary. So, next week, it will be The Man in the Iron Mask. 
So I guess all that's left to do is put a bow on this one. We'll do the walk down. Kev, if you just want to throw your name after Liam in the same capacity that... Oh, hang on. George is not here. George is not here. Do you want me to do Georgia? Yeah, you're going to have to. If you want to repeat your name after I do mine in the same vein that I do mine, you'll, you'll follow please. along. You'll see. So please join us next week as we celebrate our third birthday by reviewing Leo DiCaprio, Jeremy Irons, Gerard Depardieu, John Malkovich, and Leo DiCaprio <laughs> in The Man in the Iron Mask for Best Film Ever, Abedian. Kevin. And Alpin Liam. And hey, why don't you go ahead, show us some love, get us ready for next week. You might find that the podcast ends up being a zesty enterprise. But hey, that's just my opinion, man. <laughs> we'll catch you on the flippity flap. The flippity flip flop. Dude.